So, we've got to come up with a villain for our latest Mario title. How about Wart? We haven't used him since the NES. Yeah, we got angry letters from vegans about how to beat him. Well, what about Tonga? Haven't used him since the Game Boy. Eh, I don't think so. Invading aliens aren't popular anymore. Well, what about Wario and Waluigi? Double gangers are always popular. Yeah, but the pair make people pointy mustaches feel excluded. Fine, how about Bowser yet again? Oh, yeah, yeah, that'll work. Villainous turtles have no following at all. Let's go! Hey, paisanos, it's the Backtrack Brothers Super Show! We're the Backtrack Brothers, and old school our games. We're not like the others. You get all the faith. If your back left in trouble, you can call us in the double. We're more retro than the others. You'll be hooked on the brothers. You're hooked on the brothers. Treat, so hang on to your seat. Get ready for adventure from our pieces of sweet. From consoles, computers, handhelds, and the others. Listen to our show. You'll be hooked on the brothers. Yeah, yeah. RPG Backtrack, where we talk about computer and console role-playing games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. Here are your hosts, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And this is RPG Backtrack episode 199. Oh, what a stash. I must be talking to me, but I've got the whole beard as long. Anyways, the, I am your host, Phil Willis, and this is your other host, the one, the only, Mr. Mike Minky. I have had a stash in the past. I do not right now, so the title does not directly refer to me. It refers to a certain pair of Italians commonly called upon to do plumbing work. Mm, well, we're going to talk about a couple plumbers. Oh, we're going to need some help with the pipes, and to do that, we have uh, Miss Belly Tyen. When you were talking about a stash, I thought you was talking about the money stash I had in college before I had a bank account. Well, you know, there are certain there are certain places in the world where it is still a good idea to keep it stashed in the mattress rather than some place where it can be taken away from you more easily. Oh, I know. Now, nowadays, it's like, oh, if you don't have a credit card reader, I just don't care. <laughs> I have heard of a few places that have stopped that are just not accepting cash, and I have to wonder what will happen if somebody brings a case against that because the. The, the currency says this bill is legal tender for all debts, public and private. Hmm, there's a thought. Uh, well, maybe the person who's the answer is the Mr. Apps. It's a me, Wheels. Howdy, Mr. Wheels. Ready to talk about some Mario? Always, always. Hey, and you know what? Because we like surprises on Backtrack here, we just decided to bring your companion, your co-host on Q&A Quest. We just drug him in, Mr. Anonymous. <laughs> David McCurney, Family Master, very confused when I received this call. 
So and even more confused now. Stash is my dumb stuff. Yeah, because because here is Phil's new mo. He just invites <laughs> everyone who's online without I, any explanation. I feel like we're hitting 200 episodes now, Mike. I need a new shtick. We all know, like the 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 can't get people's names right thing. That's kind of getting crusty and old. About 100 episodes ago, I need something new and fresh. Now, so that's really me just calling in RP game. Staff who had no idea they were supposed to be on the show, and they're like, "Why are you coming for?" And welcome to RPG Backtrack. It's just the, the spotlight's in their face, and they just gotta they gotta react on the fly. See how good their improvisation skills are. I've never gotten to feel the experience of being ambushed like in an RPG, but in real life. Ooh, I like it. Now we call it we ambush podcasting. That's what we'll call it. Surprise attack. Yeah. Ambush podcasting, it's great. Cool. And then when you're done, you get experience. Yeah, experience points. You just leveled up. Da, 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 da. Oh man, I can finally raise my stats. Maybe I can put that on my resume. Ooh, ooh, ooh. But uh, yeah, all these references are to some Mario RPGs that we're going to talk about today. We got a quartet of games that we are going to go through that we haven't talked about before we haven't talked about in a very long time uh and then have a final lap and we have a lot of stuff to do so we got we got to go through it we gotta go real quick so we're gonna take a break let you listen to music hey who knows if somebody else from rp gamer happens to pop a discord we might just pull them in as well you just don't know what's gonna happen on the new improved crazy rpg backtrack we'll be right back This is uh, the main event where we take a game or a series of games and we dive inside the peanut butter and jam and all the gooeyness that's in there and spoil the hell out of these games and tell you what we think about them. And as I mentioned earlier, we are talking about a bunch of Mario RPGs or Mario and Luigi RPGs. Eh, a whole bunch of games. And we're just, we're just Luigi's in some of them. Luigi's in some of them. He's not good enough to be in all of them. Uh, Harsh. Yeah. He hasn't been good the, enough to be in all of them for a while. No. The Mario, made that judgment. The Mario and Luigi, or the Mario RPG franchise has a very interesting branching path. The split timeline. Yes. Mario yes. and Luigi remain brothers. Mario and Luigi <laughs> disown each other mutually. And go 2D. Except the game where they don't. Where they cross paths. It's complicated. Yes, very. <laughs> well, and that's what we're going to do. Normally, we kind of go through these in chronological order, but we're also going to just go all over the board. We're going to start off with Mario and Luigi Dream Team, developed by Alpha Dream. And this was published uh, by Nintendo on your Nintendo 3DS, released in North America on August 11, 2013. And this is a single player RPG experience. 
And I suppose you want me to talk about the riveting and unique story to be found you're, in you're, Mario and Luigi Dream Team, right? You're pretty much talking about everything because I've only, I, <laughs> I just, I, I don't, I, I've not played. Have I played any of these? I don't, I haven't played any of these games. Like I played them. I know I played a Mario Lu, Luigi RPG on what my Game Boy or DS or something, but I've never played any of the ones we're talking about tonight. I played the Mario and Louis. Luigi. Oh, that one. The, the Chinese bootleg that, does, that you have to really work to find now. So, it's, on, it's on one of those stinking cartridges with 300 other games that you don't know that all have misspelled titles and usually are duplicates of each other. Incredible value. So because this is the first one on the 3DS, I'm curious what the gimmick is because it seemed like they all – every single game in the series had like a unique gimmick like um, – the Game Boy one, you controlled each brother with the buttons. And then in the first DS one, the gimmick was that you had controlled the babies with two of the buttons and then the brothers with the bottom buttons. And then Bowser's Inside Story, the whole gimmick there was that Bowser was on the top screen and uh, Mario and Luigi were on the bottom screen inside Bowser. So t- tell me how they utilized the 3DS for this one. Well, the main way it uses the 3DS is, especially when you go into the dream sequence, or a fair amount of the game, then if you actually turn up that 3D sensor, then the backgrounds really look neat. I'm not going to recommend that for people who actually get sick looking at the 3D, but it's a pretty good effect. I remember checking it out a few times just because, all right, I'm, I'm reviewing this for the site. I think I figure I better be comprehensive, and I was impressed. Although, of course, the instant I moved my head, the effect was lost, so that's I think that's standard 3DS. See, that's fascinating because I'm playing through the remakes right now that they just came out with, and they don't have any 3D effects at all. Not in Inside Story. I don't even remember trying it in uh, Superstar Saga's remake. Nope, I tried it in Superstar Saga's remake and nothing. And that makes me sad because I thought they'd be able to utilize the 3D in a clever way. And let's see. The other... So you've got your standard sequence. This happens on Pilo Island where everybody's trying to take a nice break, and then the fiendish evil Antasma appears and teams up with Bowser for a little while to, what else, take over the world. Of course. Until, and this is really saying something, that Antasma does not get as much development as previous Mario villains. Please think wow. about that. Th- I, that's hilarious, given that Fallful made a huge comeback in Inside Story. I mean, I think he has maybe two major scenes where he's introduced, then there might be a couple of scenes where he briefly chats with Bowser, and then near the end when Bowser betrays him and takes his dream powers, and then you have to fight him and kick his butt, and shockers, Bowser's the final. Whoa. I, I know. I'm, I had to whisper that just because... All my expectations it, betrayed. I may just have broken the internet with that knowledge. I'm sorry, everybody, but it had to be said. Next thing you'll be telling me is that Ganon is the final boss of the Zelda game. I, I don't think I can possibly say such a thing. That's far too revelatory and dis- disturbing. We can't shatter people's complacency that blatantly tonight. Maybe another time when we actually talk about newer Zelda games again, but no. Maybe. No, don't, and next you're going to say that Robotnik is evil or something. No, no, we can't have that. We, we must stay on target. So, Antasma. He barely gets any development, and then he bounces away. Now, I remember reading at the time that this was partly a reaction to Sticker Star, which we'll be talking about slightly later tonight, 
because Sticker Star does not give you a whole lot of information about what you need to do. Dream Team decides to give you a whole lot of information about what you need to do in excessive detail. In an animal way? Pretty much. There's a sequence where you have to climb up a mountain, and there are a couple of characters who teach you the new brother's moves to do it. And I think they talk for a good 15 minutes or so before you're finally allowed to, to shut up, have them shut up and just go at it on your own. Lovely. I love having my hand held in a game that I've played multiple entries in the series for. Kelly, this is very confusing information. We must help every potential person to have an equal stake in it. There can be no one left behind. So we must must barrage you with about five times more text than necessary just to make sure you get it. (sighs) Anyone missing it? Uh, Oh, yes. The dream sequences. In here, you don't actually play. You're just Mario. However, since this was the year of Luigi, Luigi helps Mario out in battles with a whole bunch of doppelgangers. So, say Mario does a jump attack. Well, a whole bunch of Luigis will jump down after him and just shower on the enemies. (laughs) And... You can tell that somebody was paying attention to Bowser's inside story. People seemed to like it when Bowser grew large and we had and we tilted the system on its side so that we could have those knee battles. Mm-hmm. Well, we get to have those with Luigi now in the dream world, where hundreds of Luigis combine into giant Luigi. Well, that actually sounds pretty cool. It kind of is. And I, I particularly remember the final one because there are multiple phases to it. You're fighting... Mm, yeah, Dream Bowser, I guess, and because it's in the dream world, he's able to do he's able to just summon some of those flying airships and have them bombard you with cannons and whatnot, and you've got to deploy the hammer to smack the cannonballs back. It's a neat fight, but it's pretty long and it gets nasty near the end, and I was glad that this game finally afforded me the chance to No, there's a portion there are also a couple of portions that try to use the gyroscope in the 3DS. Oh, no. Oh, yes. So you've got to guide something moving along with that gyroscope. I I remember in, in one of the recent Pokemon games that had gyroscope controls, and I turned that crap off the second I could because it d- didn't control for crap. <laughs> well... If you fail repeatedly, which I did with the last one of these, it will eventually allow you to, uh, I I don't think it allows you to skip it entirely, but you are able to just have it be streamlined and make it super easy, or maybe it just slowed everything down. Regardless, it was enough to let me eat out a win. Good on them for that. And this is also the first Mario and Luigi game where if you get stomped in a battle, usually at a boss, then it will give you the option of replaying in easy mode. And oh, I, yeah. And I did that because, yes, just like earlier Mario and Luigi games, you can theoretically avoid every attack. Mm-hmm. If you have amazing reactions and are able to instantly learn what the enemies are going to do. I, I'm not sure anybody can do it on the first try because you have to know what the enemies tells are for. And you don't unless you have some idea what you're in for, then you don't know. You don't know what... Uh, 
the giant caterpillar shuffling its rear end back and forth means until you've seen it happen. I, I know that sometimes that you can kind of figure it out easily if, like, a character has spikes or if a character um, is pointing, like, a spear that you should probably shouldn't use the hammer or stuff like that. But that being said, I, I appreciate the easy modes and the remakes very much because even though I... I, I have trouble with the timing of some of those counterattacks, so I, I like that the easy modes give you a chance to have a, a bigger window of um, opportunity. Yeah, and the final couple battles in here against Antasma and then against, what is it, Dreamy Bowser, he's absorbed the powers of the dream world so that he actually looks like... Uh, I don't know, Kelly, did you have that that type of poster when you were a kid, the glow-in-the-dark thing of stars that you'd have in the world? Oh, yes, a blacklight poster. Yeah, Bowser kind of looks like that in the final battle. And he's constantly summoning his minions to do things to you, and you have to go through a long sequence of events before it's finally your turn again. And I can testify to this. If you play it on normal mode, then you better be on your freaking A game, because you will will have uh, seven, eight, nine attacks come your way before you finally get a chance to do anything about it. Yeah, something tells me I'm going to need to drop that down to ease when I get to that. I am not good at that timing-based stuff at all. Stuff at all. I wasn't proud of it, but again, I was trying to get a review in for the site, and having me go back and grind for 15 hours and probably still not be able to do it very well was not the most optimal use of my time. Um, do you still pick your stat- uh, bonus stats in this one? Yes. Okay. So I, I found that I put a lot of points into attack and defense in these games to kind of compensate for how much I suck at timing. Well, if you get hit with something, say, I don't know, there are a lot of enemy attacks that will just hit you with lots of small. Mm-hmm. If you get constantly dinged with one or two damage over 20 hits, then that'll wear you down pretty fast. Yeah, yeah. And many of the enemies will definitely do that sort of thing. <clears throat> So how are the graphics? Because I I noticed that the remakes are really shiny compared to uh, the original games. Well, again, in in particular, in the dream sequences with those, you should probably look at a video of it. Of course, the 3D won't translate, but you can look at the backgrounds with their fascinating, say, Bowser faces in the background or flames or other interesting stuff. And you can just picture how that's going to come across if it's going right into your face, which is actually pretty interesting. I liked it. As for the rest of the graphics, I remember this one in particular having a fair amount of blue and indigo and violet, which is probably because of the dream theme, but it, mm-hmm. it's a good look. I liked it. And yeah, at the time, it didn't strike me as some kind of massive leap forward in, in the ways of Mario and Louise, but it definitely did look good. And like all these games... In particular, the battle graphics, they look good, and they move fast, and they have to, because otherwise, the action-based stuff just wouldn't work at all. Right, right. Um, so, oh, of course... Oh, the writing. That's what I was going to ask about. How was the writing? Because my favorite thing about Mario and Luigi is just how funny it is. It's on par, just with the knowledge, again, that whenever you learn something new, it's going to have to beat it into your face that you... Are you, do you really understand how you're supposed to ascend this wall? Are you sure? No, we're going to we're gonna explain it to you in a slightly, again. But as usual, it's, it's with characters who have interesting mannerisms and interesting patterns. Just 
Uh, and let's see. Uh, yeah, you're on you're on the Isle of Pilo, and I'm at, I'm consulting the Mario Wiki to try and help me remember the proper nouns here. Oh yes, Prince Dreambird. Yes, that is your main new character here, Prince Dreambird. Is he as dreamy as Prince Peasley? I can't really answer that because I don't. Could know. anyone be? Oh. Well, I don't remember ever seeing the dreams of Prince Peasley, so... No, I, I meant that in, in Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, they made a point to uh, have the game kind of flash every time he flicked his hair. He gives to, off, the... like, beautiful boy sparkles. Yeah, yeah, they, they, very, they made it very clear that Prince Peasley was meant to be handsome and dreamy and just the perfect prince. Well, Dr- Dreambird isn't on that level. Okay. Can I just say all of these names sound like someone gave up halfway through? <laughs> Antaspa no. is someone like being like, what's fantasy but also antagonist? And what is the first thought I have in my mind? Okay, I'm done. Are you trying to tell me that Antasma is not a well-thought villain name? I, I mean, I'm not meaning to rock the boat here. I'm just giving just giving a possible a possible scenario where it may have come from. I have no idea where you are coming up with this. Antasma is a completely neutral name that has no malevolent undertones whatsoever. Oh, and Kamek makes an appearance in this one, too, which was neat, because I always liked Yoshi's Island. Oh, I love Kamek. Um, Pishi is one of my favorite uh, villains. at least one of the other ones? Kamek is the Magikoopa that was there in Yoshi's Island. No, I'm saying it. Kamek's also in Partners in Time, I think, as well, because they, they, Kamek usually oh, shows yeah, up yeah, when yeah. they do, like, the baby versions of characters. That's true. So, the glorious return in the second even-numbered game. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Kamek shows up in all of them at some point. Just if imagining... Uh, Bowser's Inside Story, I don't remember it yet. I'm just I imagining haven't... Kamek is uh, Bowser's Alfred Pennyworth. Yeah, yeah. I've I haven't finished Inside Story yet. I just got through past the Kaiju battle, the first Kaiju battle. So, and really, well, you can see the, the I put a picture in there. Thanks, thank you, Mario Wiki, of Dreamy Bowser. Isn't yeah, he, he dreamy? Yeah, he, look, he definitely looks like a black light poster. A uh, very bad mushroom. Behold, a photo negative filter, and. In the dream world, you get to see Luigi translated into many of the things that you're supposed to interact with. Because, of course, it's the dream world, so Luigi can be more prominent. You can have things like, well, a Luigi constellation. Uh... I, can't, I can't remember what you do with it right now, but you do interact with it in some capacity. Or a Luigi tree with a mustache that you are supposed to extend and use as a rubber band type thing. Or a Luigi windstorm that you get caught in. It's they are at least nice and silly as usual with the application of this stuff. Or and that, that's what's great about the Mario Luigi series is that it, it's your silly palate cleanser when you're done playing a Shin Megami Tensei game and need some you know sunshine and rainbows. That that's what I've always appreciated about the series. And. I, even though these are stills, Kelly, you can probably tell the visuals are kind of nice in these. Oh. Yeah, I can has see a pinwheel, that. And you can see those other pinwheel-like plants in the background, and they 
they do stretch out at you in the D resolution. Man, this one really sequences. Them. Sounds like Luigi's a, a little bit of everything, and <laughs> that's insane. Yeah, but it, and of course, this is uh, part of the year of Luigi, where because only because it's the year of Luigi does Luigi get to become giant and do battle in the dream realm. <laughs> I mean, he'd finally gotten his doctorate, so mm-hmm. it was time. Oh, how's the music? Let's see, the battle themes are very good. I, honestly, Yoko Shimomura does a great job with being pretty consistent on the soundtracks for these games. And I would say that the that the giant battle theme here is superior to that in Bowser's Inside Story. That's and, a high bar, because that battle music in Bowser is pretty awesome. And in particular, the final battle themes. You get one when you fight Antasma, even barely seen the guy. And you get one, of course, when you fight Dreamy Bowser. They're both quite good. She's really good at final battle themes, I've found. I can't remember. I've played a lot of games with Yoko Shimomura scores, and she usually does great battle music. Is the typical Charles Martinet kind of babbly sounds in there, too, whenever they interact? Of course. I told him I did my auto. <laughs> okay. Mario! Hammer! Fire! Thunder! <laughs> I, I appreciated that the sound quality for those clips got upped in the um, 3DS remix because um, Charles Martinet's Mario always sounded weird in the GBA version of Superstar Saga to me. Like, like he sounded sad to me for some reason. That being said, I love the, the, those little sound clips and babbles and stuff. It just it adds to the charm of the series. Yeah, and if you can get past the annoyance of Nintendo apparently deciding that people must be made aware multiple times and in the greatest of detail what you can do now that this new ability is here, this is a good one. It's pretty large. By the time you get to the conclusion, you'll have gone through a number of very nice areas, and you've seen just a couple of the samples of how they make Luigi into an actual thing with which you interact in the dream world. And, yes, it's also got quite the challenge, as as we just went over. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think Nintendo has kind of figured out that balance, because um, the, the remakes... On the, on the 3DS of Inside Story and Superstar Saga, Saga have been very good about not being handholdy or letting you skip over tutorials and stuff. That could partly be just because they're remakes and didn't add a whole lot except in the new modes. That's just a theory. I can't explain. I can't call that fact from here. I don't. I don't know. I know that Nintendo was really bad about being handholdy, like in the Wii, Wii and Wii U era. Maybe it was getting a whole lot of calls from family members who had been roped into playing the Wii and had no idea what they were doing and needed to be have it explained in excruciating detail. And it's like I don't mind I don't mind games doing stuff for beginners. Just let me opt out of it, especially if it's like the fourth or fifth game in a series. You know what I mean? Well, but obviously Nintendo doesn't feel that way sometimes. Not on this one. No. Oh, yeah. Here, look at Antasma and tell me if you think he looks like Cat. Because for a character with so little time, he already he needed to be associated with an earlier villain. 
He looks pretty. I mean, he's got a cool design and all of that, but does he remind you of Cacleta, though? Actually, yes, yes, he does. Sorry, your your mic cut out when you said oh. Cacleta. So, well, that's just Discord dis- deciding that we can't have consistently one hundred percent clear audio. We've seen that right. happen before. Right. No, I, I like his uh, his design quite a bit. It's a shame that, that you said that they didn't use him nearly as much. No, you. Yeah, you get a you get a cool fight with him, which is about either the second or the third real time you've seen him after Bowser betrays him and throw, and he fights Mario in the Dream World, and he's hard. But I really don't know much else about him. Uh, we need a villain. Oh, well, I mean, we got this Antasma guy. No, we'll just do Bowser again. But Antasma, no, Bowser. Oh, okay. I well, imagine here, that's... Here, let, let's have you fight Antasma anyway, even though Bowser just stole his power and stomped him. Okay. Antasma does have a really cool battle theme, though. I'll say that. Don't think I've ever heard Yoko Shimura hand in a soundtrack that was less than very good. Oh yes, you asked about Prince Prince Dreambert here. Let's let's have some Prince Dreambert art. Honestly, he looks kind of like, like he's uh, heading up to the North Pole. There, he looks like he's out of a Kirby game. I was actually going to guess one of the prince's cousins in Kawaramashi. Uh, that does and... not look like a Mario car- uh, Mario game character. That looks like a Kirby character to me. I agree. Well, oh yes, and he's a pillow. On the on the Isle of Pillow live the Pillow people. <laughs> they might have been being too subtle there. I was gonna say we yeah. had we had the Bean Bean Kingdom and Superstar Saga, and there was the yeah. one block guy and uh, Inside Story, and now we have Pillow people. Their their sentient people makes no sense. Are we skipping over the Shroobs in Partners in Time? Yes. I guess Nintendo did too because that one didn't get a 3DS remake. <laughs> no, and for for me, Partners in Time was kind of forgettable. I think it's generally the least popular one, which is probably why they bother. This is going to sound stupid, but adding two extra buttons to the mix really messed me up in Partners in Time. It's too many things to keep track of. Yeah, yeah, it really was. I pretty much I remember having to concentrate really hard when I needed to use all four of them con- concurrently. Wait, is this, doing... a, is, is this a clever segue to paper jam because your fingers are jammed up? Yes. <laughs> Maybe. Phil you, are, Phil, you are the master of se- segues. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's really my only purpose on this segment is to look for clever segues. Ready for well, it? You can look at a couple of the pictures that I shared there, Phil. Well, I, I could. I was you, trying you, to fix my work computer that blew. Oh my gosh, that's psychedelic. What were they smoking? Uh, what, the, the dreamy Bowser? I, I don't know what that big purple thing was, but it, it looked like somebody was smoking the peace pipe when they were coming up with the concept. I'm going to guess that was Antasma. That's the um, that's the villain that gets tossed aside by Bowser. Just laying down my bet right there. Hmm. So t- tell us about Paper Jam because this is this is fascinating to me. We have Mario RPG, and then it's split into two different RPG series with P- Paper Mario and Mario and Luigi, and then this is the grand convergence. Mario and Luigi Paper Jam 
was developed by Alpha Dream. It was uh, released on the Nintendo 3DS in North America on January 22nd, 2016. Another single-player RPG experience, but the main question is, does it jam up your finger? Wait, 2016? Let me double-check again. North America, January 22nd, 2016. Yep. Oh, Jan- I'm sorry. I thought you said, I thought you said July instead of January. Now I, I get said it. July. <laughs> Never know. I say a lot of things I don't mean. I'm just going to leave that to hang there, Phil. I mean, okay, one time I said, said I liked a certain game that we all know is not likable, so I might have been drinking that night, too. But you're not drinking tonight. Oh, no. Could remedy that. I okay. I, I have given the seed of thought that Phil will now act upon. I shall ponder this. Over some alcohol. That's a good time to ponder. Okay. Paper jam. Well, let's see here. Let's see if this sounds interesting. While cleaning room in Peach's palace one, Luigi stumbles upon a strange book that falls onto the floor. Out of this book comes a swath of paper creatures that look just like those already in the kingdom, except two-dimensional. Chaos erupts as a papery invasion proceeds. And then Mario comes to help his brother clean up all this paper mess. But their combined power isn't enough to stop it until... Paper Mario joins them, and the trio has to go stop Bowser and Paper Bowser from taking over the Mushroom Kingdom. I'm sure your minds are blown by the the amazing uniqueness of this scenario, right? I'm just appreciating that it's always Luigi's fault. Well, we had to differentiate him from just being player two somehow, I guess, by having him be the cowardly fool was the way. Speaking of... When is the Switch one of these going to actually be two-player? Ask Nintendo. I feel like that would be a good idea. We all know how good Nintendo is at listening to feedback. They do it every so often. They didn't make, They didn't remake uh, Partners in Time. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, Paper Jam. I, I have just described the labyrinthine story. Oh, and Kamek and Paper Kamek are here, too. <laughs> of, of course, any other Paper do- Doppelgangers we should know about? I believe the... I believe Paper Bowser Jr. is in there also. There is, yeah. I didn't even realize there was a Paper Bowser Jr. There is now. Well, <laughs> there wasn't before. Spraying fully formed from the head of Paper Bowser. I suppose I could double check that, but I'm I'm really struggling to recall all of the labyrinthine and complicated plot maneuverings. They were just so complex that I'm it's really proving difficult for me to recall all of them simultaneously. So, so is there any, uh, is there more to this crossover than meets the eye? Because, you know, Avengers really set my expectations expectations high for crossovers these days. Original Avengers, Age of Ultron, Infinity War, or all? All. <laughs> you know, I don't think Nintendo has ever sought the same type of character synchronicity with the Mario games that Marvel has been seeking with its cinematic unit. Well, you, you say that, but the most recent Smash is pretty good, all things considered, even though that, that, that doesn't really have the same rich storyline of an RPG, but whatever, my, my comparison still stands. Tell me about how this crossover is and if I should compare it to Infinity War. Uh, I don't (laughs) don't get my hopes up no it's fun don't get me wrong the standard whimsical writing style is definitely there just 
don't expect new revelations and character growth on the level of Infinity War because you're not going to get it. Paper Mario, I'm not nearly as much of an expert on the Paper Mario games as I am on the Luigi, but he acts like Paper Mario. He doesn't say a damn thing. Not even, not even I don't know what the, I don't about him. Okay, okie dokie. Nope, none of that. He just nods and crinkles himself and becomes a paper airplane and all that. He falls over sometimes. It's been known to happen. And he teams yeah. up with Mario and Luigi, and now Paper Mario, uh, he uses the Y button. So okay. you've got three characters. Though it is more forgiving than Partners in Time was, I don't recall having any serious issues dealing with uh, attacks that could go after all three. Usually the enemies were pretty good at taking one at a time. Okay. How do the characters deal with having uh, people in a 2D plane in this game? They make a couple jokes and move on. Okay. Pretty much. You can use Paper Mario in the ways that Paper Mario has been used, turn him into an airplane, allow him to go through a crack in the wall, all that fun stuff. And I seem to recall there may actually be a status effect for when you get paper things wet. (laughs) (laughs) Now there's like at least a crumpled status effect. But other than that, yeah, it... Yes, they look they look distinguished, they look specific, but they fight pretty much the same as their regular counterparts. I don't remember the paper versions of the enemies usually having much different. They're they're very minor in the scheme of things, given that the game is not difficult enough that you have to worry too much about fighting different kinds of enemies. So I, I did not hear about this game a whole lot after it came out. It sounds pretty meh from the sounds of it. Don't know. Don't know if you guys heard, but I made my decision. No, no. I heard it something open. Clear. Okay, just just saying. There wasn't really much to say about this game after it came out. Like once you've heard the premise, you basically understand the entire game. Actually, here, just just scroll down, and it has a list of the sprites of every character, so that you can see. Hey, there, there's the Bowser Junior and the Paper Bowser Junior duo right next to each other. Together there's, at last. Yeah, paper Kamek. <laughs> However, there are no paper Koopalings. Don't ask me why. Maybe they didn't feel like redrawing them. There's already eight of them. Having 16 Koopalings running around would be a problem. Missed opportunity. It is a missed opportunity, because I've always liked those Koopalings, and they don't... When they showed up just for a little bit in the original Partners in Time as mini-bosses that you had to beat the crap out of... That was a little disappointing. I always liked them in Mario 3 and Super Mario World. Oh, I, I lost my mind when they showed up and uh, par- Partners in Time the first time, because I think that was the first time we had seen them since Mario World. Aren't they in Superstar Saga, or am I misremembering? Yeah, Superstar Saga, that's right. Okay. And then well, they- in the remake, they actually, it's not much in the main game, but in the the, the Minion Quest, they actually feature prominently. I kind of liked that. Okay, I, did, okay. I didn't do the minion quest, even though I'm told that it's really good. It's fun. Superstar Saga kind of unsealed them because that's also when they started appear. After that, they started appearing in like the new Super Mario Brothers games as well. Which, uh, I mean, it's more work than they were getting beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not as if Nintendo has so many Mario just needed to be set aside so that we can have Bowser yet again. <laughs> So is this game worth worth picking up? I mean... I remember having fun with it, and 
well, let's let's look at this can review from somebody on RP Gamer, <laughs> and that's right. We don't have the same kind of giant battles anymore. Instead, we have papercraft fighting. Yeah, those were kind of cute. Like the you get a giant like paper like folded up Mario. It's very strange looking. Yes, you get a gigantic parade float that a whole bunch of toads underneath are moving. That actually sounds pretty funny. And they actually have a different one for each encounter. But it's not as good as the the giant battles were before. It's partially some strategic stuff where you need to find the right icons on the screen and recharge. And if you don't do it, you just kind of have to stand there for a bit and not do anything. The game's overall even more minigame-heavy than prior Mario and Luigi's. Because like, there's a lot of points where you'll reach a point where it's like, go round up some toads. Yes, I remember that. And it's certainly not bad, but I can't really remember much of the music from this, which is unusual for Yokoshima Mora score. It's a game that has difficulty leaving any real lasting impression, good or bad. So, I mean, if you see it cheap, I wouldn't say don't get it. Yeah, I think I picked up the Nintendo Select version of it the last time I was, like, out video game shopping just to try it out. Um but it, it it definitely sounds like it's it, they didn't bring their A game for this one, that it was just kind of a meh. Oh, and you don't need to lose in a fight to access it on whenever. Which is kind of handy if, say, you just get sick of spending five minutes on a fight. I, I don't know that that would ever, ever actually happen, given these are not fights which generally take that long but it could if you are deciding I'm not going to I'm going to avoid fighting at every opportunity and see how far I get were there any memorable boss fights or encounters or not uh, I'm not coming up with any like all I remember is just the very concept of papercraft battles so I think that's telling I'm looking down here at all of these boss visuals and yeah seeing the Koopalings as See Roy and Wendy team up and fight you, or Kamek and a Wiggler team up. Finally, an unstoppable duo. Or, of course, Kamek and Paper Kamek team up. And I remember enjoying fighting all of the Koopalings and then fighting, well, Bowser and Paper Bowser simultaneously. But, oh yes, now I see, looking at the visuals, I remember what the final boss was. Of course, it's Bowser, but... He uses the power of paper to craft a gigantic pseudo-robo suit for himself. Roser is what it's called. Paper-robo-bowser, it sounds like. Well, the Wikia, which must be right, because these people have devoted themselves to updating the thing called Shiny Robo-Bowser. And with a name like that, how can you go wrong? Okay, dumb question. Was this the first appearance of Dry Bowser? I... I think officially, Dry Bowser's first appearance is considered to be uh, in New Super Mario Brothers on the DS. Okay. Yeah, that's what the wiki is telling me. At least one, at least one of the Mario parts around then also has Dry, Dry Bowser, and it seems to be dating to that. I see. So I definitely enjoyed it, and looking at my review is handy because it's Anna Marie on RP Gamer thought that this pushed. Dream Team out of the top for her favorite Mario RPG, or her favorite Mario and Luigi game at least. That did not happen to me, as you can tell by my struggles to recollect 
This only happened three years ago, and I'm struggling to recall any specifics from it. Like we said on the cast, nothing is worse. I mean, there are bad games, and at least a bad game you kind of remember for the horrible experience you had. A mad game is just meh. Yeah. There's nothing remarkable about a mad game. And the funny thing is, we can take up an entire podcast talking about the bad game. We have talking yes. about bad games. When it comes to mad games, you just there's not a whole lot to say. Like, they're not bad. They're not good. It's, you don't know how to recommend them because somebody might like them. They're just meh. And as Anna Marie's experience goes, some people really got into this one. And more power to them. I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. That's you can't really tell someone their opinion is wrong you, with reasons why that makes no sense. But you're probably not going to change your mind. This just isn't one of the memorable Mario and Luigi's to me. Now, what you can tell them is that they're not paying enough for Mario and Luigi Paper Jam because while you can easily, Phil, yeah, Phil, yeah, we didn't we didn't explain how much you're going to have to pay for Dream Team either. Well, you know, it's funny. You should bring that because Dream Team, that's not too hard to get. You can find, you know, used copies, 20 bucks-ish, new ones, 30, you know, less than 30 bucks. You can buy it digitally for 20 bucks, no problem. But when it comes to Luigi and Paper Jam, you know, we know after, especially after everything you said about that, our our listeners want the best. They don't just want it brand new, but they want to pay as much as humanly possible for that. So That I, is the way economics usually works. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Consumers always want the most expensive product possible. I was able. I was able to find uh, a, a nice brand new factory copy on eBay for fifty five dollars plus shipping, and for just a small extra eight buck tip, you can get two year protection plan from Square Trade. So if something ever goes wrong with your cartridge, they got your back. Whoa! Or you could just you know find a Nintendo Selects copy for a song and dance. No, 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 no. Our listeners want premium. There must be something better about this copy because it costs like five times as much. So there has to be. So that's what they want. I I, I prefer my games cheaper than more expensive. Especially when they're mediocre games, they want to pay more for them. I pay top dollar for every hour. I will not be able to remember afterwards. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Well, uh, I think we pretty much have exhausted this one. We'll take uh, a tiny little break and we'll be right back. Let you listen to some RPG music before we hit our last game in the series. Which is a, whatever. We'll be right back. <laughs> talk about four games i just don't know how to count and i did beer anyway super mario rpg developed by square published by nintendo released in north america on may 13th 1996 a single player rpg with seven stars yes the, the one that started it all 
Well, I suppose this one is distinct from every later Mario RPG. It's not two-dimensional. Nope. And it's not a game in which you can, if you try really, really hard and are super reaction time-oriented, dodge every attack. You're going to take the attacks. Mm -hmm. There's There's definitely some reaction stuff in here, but you are not going to avoid all attacks and just be able to counter everything. Nope, you've actually got to tank hits and learn how to mitigate your damage there via healing or items or whatever. And, yeah, this is the only Mario RPG in which Square ever had any involvement. Yep. I seem to recall, let's see, there there was some kerfuffle over, what was it, Nintendo sticking with cartridges on its next machine and Square getting kind of kicked off about Uh, that? uh, You're you're kind of getting a little bit ahead. I, I... and I'm I'm getting all this information from the gaming historian on YouTube, by the way, which has a very interesting video about the history of this particular game. And if if you like what I say, go watch it because that guy does amazing videos and he can summarize it much better. But the TLDR of the story of Mario RPG is that Square wanted more RPGs to be sold in the West because um, Final Fantasy 3 and 2 and Mystic Quest didn't do very well in the U.S., so they wanted to kind of tie an RPG series to a well-known franchise. And Nintendo wanted to um, basically kind of do a different type of Mario game, and they had never done an RPG. So Miyamoto and the team at Square pretty much kind of collaborated together and decided to, you know, make Mario RPG. And, sorry, I'm trying to summarize my thoughts here. Um, Sorry, I'm completely blanking on what I was going to say next. Well, I can't help you with what you were going to say next. No, no, I know. I had a, I had a point. I just can't remember what I was going to get to. So, so yeah, they, they collaborated and created Mario RPG. And that was where some of the kind of tension happened because they didn't, they didn't really agree on a lot of the things. Like, they couldn't really agree on who was going to publish it in the U.S. Um, what else? There was all kinds of, like, little things that they were bickering about over the, the, collaboration. And Square really thought that this was going to kind of seal the future of their RPG stuff in the U.S. And apparently they had been kind of like lobbying for Nintendo to do um, cartridges or no, do uh, CDs instead of cartridges. And they were kind of blown away when they went for the cartridges. And then that's what started the kind of epic breakup that everybody knows that lasted until the GameCube. So the second that Square ran out of viable com- Game Boy competitors to try to yeah. work with their games. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, they reunited again when both companies basically kind of needed needed the assistance there. Well, the Wonder Swan gave it a good try, but it never even made it out of Japan. Nope. So anyway, as, an R- as a Mario RPG actually developed by Square, it does feel very distinct from all the later Mario RPGs we discussed on other episodes of this show. Yes. Yes, it's the one that started it all, more or less. Um, it, it, it definitely, and it, it has that kind of square feel to it. Um, and the, in the UI and, and the graphics and kind of the sound design and overall tone of the game. Um, I mean, it still has that comedy tone that the other ones have, but 
I, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like the comedy is quite there in this one like it is in later entries in the series. Well, it definitely... A, it looks like it came out in the late mid late nineties because that rendered look. Yes, you don't see that anymore. They use the same graphic, the same silicone graphic stations to make this game that they did for Donkey Kong Country. And also, it it has an isometric perspective, and it does it about as well as I've ever seen an isometric perspective done. You, mm-hmm. There's some jumping. Don't. It's a freaking Mario game. Every Mario game includes some jumping, but it's as good as I've seen with action in an isometric viewpoint of actually making you as as clear as possible on where you're going to land when you jump, because that's always such a pain with isometric view. Yeah, it, the controls in this game are definitely t- tight and feel very, like you do, like... You know, it's Mario controls. Mario controls are known for being spot on, and it definitely feels like it feels like it in this game. And you don't feel frustrated when you're doing a platforming session. I mean, yeah, you might fall a couple of times just trying to get used to the angles, but after a while, if you just know the lineup Mario Shadow, then you should be okay. And the other great decision about this game is that you can actually see fights on the back screen. Or rather, on the screen itself, there's no random encounters, which platforming plus random encounters, I'm looking at you, Xenogears, is never a good idea. Ever. I and love losing the... my momentum in mid, John. Yes. Well, you have a very sp- specific love of things that I do not quite share, but more power to you, good sir. <laughs> I can't uh... believe that you would shame me for this. <laughs> And, and the, the story in this one is definitely more Squeenix than Mario, per se. It, um, yeah, I mean, it starts out very Mario because, you know, Peach gets kidnapped and you have to go save her. And in the middle of fighting Peach, a giant sword crashes through Bowser's keep. And you get knocked back to your house and you go to look. And yeah, there's a giant sword just sticking out of Bowser's keep. And the sword shatters the Star Road, and you're going through on a quest to gather all the pieces of the Star Road to rebuild it. Um, otherwise, uh, wishes won't be granted. And you do eventually team up with Bowser and Peach. Mm-hmm. But before you do, you get two unique characters who have never popped up as protagonists in another game. Nope. G- Gino, the dog kid does make a cameo in Superstar Saga. He does, but he's not another playable character. Unfortunately not, and, and I a lot of the speculation is that that's because Squeenix owns Gino and doesn't really want to relent, though he does pop up in Smash Brothers as a spirit. And I guess Mallow is not as well. He's fine. Yeah, I, yeah, I like Mallow. He, he's cute, but I ask you, is, is he a cloud or a frog? Mm, I'm gonna say he's a clog. <laughs> okay, fair, fair answer. I mean, it, we're we're giving him equal parts nature and nurture, right? Right, right. But yet, and he's but, a pr- and he's a prince, of course. So, um, which party did you tend to run with? Because I liked the classic Bowser Peach Mario setup. Uh, you know, I've played through this game several times, and I think I've tried all possible series. I, Gino is really handy to have around. He's got a lot of good... Mallow, once you've got Peach, Peach is the best healer in the game. So you, mm-hmm. you don't really need Mallow anymore. 
but he does have some interesting stuff. Oh, and I suppose we we haven't mentioned just how this plays in battle. It's turn based, sure, but they've square through some actiony stuff in there where if you hit the the button at the right time, then you can double your offense power, take less damage, or even if you time it right when you're using an item, you can replenish that item. I, you know, I I could be mistaken, but I almost want to think that this is the one of the first games that came out that actually had timed hits when you uh, are damaging something. It probably was. He knows about timed hits. Yes, it, it's the trope gamer. In 1996, there, a we still didn't have a whole lot of RPGs on consoles this side of the pond, and b those that we did have still had random encounters for the most part. I think it was mostly you're either turn based or you're you're action based, and there wasn't really a whole lot of mixing the two. And I, I really appreciated the time timed hit because it gave you something to do during battle aside from just mash the A button to win. Very and few modern it. RPGs followed on the trend on the idea of give them a star that they can ram through battles with to get a lot of experience. Yeah, yeah none of the subsequent Mario RPGs have done that. <laughs> it's tragic. Yeah. It's pretty damn cool once you get an invincibility star and mow down about 50 enemies. Every mm-hmm. time you see one, you kind of go nuts. And every time you see a level <laughs> up come up out of you, you're like, oh, I'm getting I'm getting everything I would have gotten for killing it manually. This is great. That's almost... Maybe, just maybe, they borrowed a little something from Bound, but that might be too much. Yeah. The, the, you know... Um... And let's see, you've got, you've got the invisible blocks in the game. I remember actually those in it. You've got that one abominable frog coin. <laughs> You've got mini games, of course. I didn't take, spend too much time in them. Phil, I, I know you love 3D graphics on 16-bit consoles, so the mine <laughs> would have thrilled you. Yeah, you know, it's just uh, you never know what you're going to get with those. Sometimes you can't even tell there's any rail cars. You just see a bunch of pixels. And it'll, it's let's see, we've got seven. the... We've got the lovely going down the water, the river, while picking up the coins on the barrels. Mm-hmm. I always liked that one. And let's see, we've got that monster, was it a thump that challenges you to hit the jump button sequentially as much as possible. Remember Which that I guy? I never do. I think I did manage to hit 30 once, but I was never able to do it again. I was never able to, I think past 20, it, the timing gets off, and it gets ridiculously hard. It does, yeah. Um, you, you just get some accessories that are apparently really good, but by, if you can do that, I don't think you need much other help. I, I, to me, once you get the lazy shell, the game is pretty much over. You, you give the lazy shell to Peach, and you just never die. Well, to be as fair as possible, it, it is not meant to be a challenge. No, no. This this game is meant to be kind of a, a introductory RPG, which, which is interesting because you know the um, damage numbers in this game are pretty low. And you know what? It actually worked like that for me. This was the first <laughs> RPG I ever completed. See, I, no, I, for me it was Shining Force. I I was aware of RPGs um, at the time, and I really wanted this one because, you know, it was another Mario game, but my first RPG was definitely Shining Force. I remember getting it to the point where you're trying to crash the wedding between Booster and Peach, and I was having serious trouble syncing up my crashing into the door with Bowser, so I Mm -hmm. kept thinking, am I doing something wrong? Is there some secret? No, no, I just sucked. 
Yeah, one's that that one takes harder. that one takes a little bit of practice to get the hang of. Oh, what and, else? Well, let's I see. And did not know what it was as a child. I was just like, <laughs> this doesn't seem like Mario normally is. <laughs> well, you're right. It wasn't. It's true. I remember as a kid, uh, well, I, I say I was a kid, I was like 13 or 14, and this game being hovering around the $80 mark. And, you know, at, as a, when you're 14 and you have no job, that's the kind of, that's like walking around money. And I remember just doing odd jobs around the house and mowing so many lawns and just scrounging up all the money that I could just to afford to be able to buy this game because I, cu- I couldn't rent it because Blockbuster never had a copy in stock, ever. Well, you know, it's funny you should bring up price. <laughs> you know, because here in the year 2019, you could still save up your entire life savings and not be able to afford the copy of Super Mario RPG that you really deserve. That you really, really deserve because I found what our listeners deserve. I mean, sure, you could go and pick it up. I think I got it on the Wii or Wii U. I think you can get off the store for like ten bucks. It's no, on both of those. No, no. But our listeners, are you actually are you actually describing a way to get the game digitally and cheaply? That's not like you. No, no. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that this way. But then there's the way our listeners really want and deserve. Which is the original Super Famicom Japanese release VG, you know, archival case version, which is available for the low, low price on eBay right this second of twenty nine hundred dollars, and and oh. and and know that they, you know, they are they are even throwing in free shipping with that, so that's a great deal. <laughs> now, if you just want it, if you do want it in English, uh, the price does come down a teeny tiny bit because you know. <laughs> I have well, found I've seen complete I, copies in here for about uh, hundred to one hundred and twenty five. No, no, you want the brand new factory seal VGA eighty five case, which oh, is right. eight hundred dollars. But it does you're come right. with free shipping. Or That's you know, generosity. You, yeah, you can you can also get it on the SNES Classic for sixty bucks and get other fine games like Secret of Mana, Earthbound, Final Fantasy three. Do I sound infomercially enough? No, you don't, because you didn't say it slowly and hold up your camera. And it is. You also but never said. Wait, there's more. Yeah, that's what I was waiting for. But wait, there's more. You also get fine games like Donkey Kong Country, Contra Four. No, wait, no, it's Contra Three, isn't it? Yeah, Contra Four that. was a long time after. Contra Spirits. Yeah, that one. Yoshi's Island, Super Mario World. F Zero. Super Mario All-Stars. Oh, wait, that's on my SNES Classic, because I hacked it. Don't worry. Oh, someone I, I did, so you you can get it on your SNES Classic, too. All you have to do is hack it, which will void the warranty, right? Oh, yeah, but a Mario RPG is on their standard, so if you have no hacking skills... It's still there, still waiting for it. So, so, so how much is this game worth in y'all's opinion? Um, it's worth owning any anyway because it it is a good Mario game. It's a good RPG. It has lots of it has lots of charm to it. It, it definitely you can see where all the kind of Mario RPG tropes uh, started in this game. Um, I I enjoyed the crap out of it. I've I've played through it numerous times. Um, we didn't, we didn't even talk about the music. The music in this game is amazing. And the music looks- is phenomenal. Uh, what's well, great, see, and I, 
Well, hold it. Let's. There's two categories of the music in the game. There's the original stuff, I think all composed by Yoko Shimomura, mm-hmm. and it's really good stuff, and I think we'll manage to find a couple of those, because uh, in particular, what I'm thinking of is the phase one final boss theme is great. And then there's the Koji Kondo stuff from earlier in Mario's career that's been remixed quite well. Yes, and and some stuff I didn't even realize was a remix. Like I was listening to a soundtrack, the soundtrack before the show, and one of the songs that plays in Booster's Castle, I think Booster's Castle, is the music from the Toad Houses from Mario Three. And you know what? Thirty years later, and I didn't even catch that until now. So there's like all kinds of different musical Easter eggs in this game that you'll kind of learn to appreciate too. Oh, and of course, there's a couple of tracks that you'll only hear if you go after a certain optional. Yes, I I hadn't played Final Fantasy up until this point when I was a kid, so that reference was completely over my head. Well, now that I've played it, I just I just have to appreciate how much effort Tick and Square to add that content into this game, which is just mm-hmm. really a, a little side mission, and it's a hard fight. Oh, yeah. Boss. It whooped me pretty bad back in the day. And... Okay, yeah. let, you know what? Let's, let's mention a couple of the unique characters that because Square created them will not be seeing and again anytime soon. You mentioned Booster. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> Booster is the best. Castle. <laughs> that, that whole side area in the game is just is, is hilarity ensues. It, I love that part of the game. But there are others. There's Croco, the goofy criminal who has a bag of stuff that will constantly throw either coins or bombs <laughs> at you from. And then he sells you stuff at the very end of the game. He does. After you've beaten the crap out of him a couple times, he's sick of fighting. Yeah. Or, of course, some of your, your, unique, your unique antagonists, like the Axum Rangers! Yes, Power Rangers it's... reference. See, Kelly, why'd you have to go and spoil it? I wanted people to think about what that could possibly be a reference to. <laughs> Let's see, five rangers in multiple colors who combine to form something stronger. I have no idea what that could be. Let me fight Kulix in Final Fantasy XVI. Square might actually do that. Um, help me out. Is Kulix a reference to a specific boss in the Final Fantasy series, or is it just... Nope. Nah, it's just a pastiche of a bunch of them. Okay, I wasn't sure. It's easy to... People confuse it a lot, so... Especially since he has the boss music for accompanying him. But it's definitely not a specific boss from... Okay, I I needed that cleared up for me because I I spent years trying to figure out what game that's from, and apparently it's just his own thing. But that's okay. It seems like the sort of thing that'll show up in FF14 as a right boss event. Yeah. Who else? Oh, the the mole kids that you've got to rescue. I love the mole yes. people. Okay, what I, what am I thinking of? It's in the place where Mallow actually came from. You've got the gigantic crow that comes. Yeah, along. Dodo. Dodo, thank you. Dodo and Valentina, who also is a kid, I was surprisingly, I never noticed how bouncy she was until I was researching this. That probably came from a very specific person on the Squaresoft staff. I, it, it's squeaky clean as Nintendo was back in the day. I am surprised that they got away with that. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a late Super Nintendo release that Nintendo was probably proud to have because it helped close the gap for the N64, maybe some eyes were discreetly peered in the other direction. It must be. Uh, what else? Oh, and this is also after Mortal Kombat 2, so there may have been some slight loosening. Hmm. 
What else was there? There was the uh, Toad Vosky, who you have to um, help compose music for. Uh, well, let's see. We've got our big bad Smitty and all of his... Oh, there, there's Johnny... I'm thinking of all the robo versions of the baddies that you've beaten, which show up in the final area. Yeah. Um, there's Johnny the Shark, who's awesome. Yes, if you beat all of his shark mates, then he duels Mario. I love Johnny the Shark. Especially with how, after you beat him up, he says that he's your friend for your life. Um, there's Boshi, the bad Yoshi, that we've never seen again. I hadn't even remembered him. All right, I I would like to say that I was a little disappointed in what is it, the Star Hill. You remember you're going around looking at the, the little stars that show the dreams mm-hmm. of people. Mm-hmm. That just kind of ends limply when you go up and find the fourth star. I always thought that it would have been a great time to reference Mario Two. You can just go into a dream world for a little while, go meet up with Wart and Mouser and Triclide and the other bosses from that game, which have never been seen again. Beat the yeah. crap out of them, sure, but it would have been fun. Yeah, I remember really wanting to go see that part of the game, too, and being very disappointed with how it panned out. I I agree with you there. Um, What else? Um, You you brought up a – you made me think of something. The interesting point about this game is that they uh, made a special cartridge – or they made a special chip for this game that expanded it to uh, 32, I want to say, megabytes to be able to hold all of the stuff in it. I did. Well, Super Street Fighter 2 on Super Nintendo was also 32 bytes. Yeah. I, I, that was just one of the things that I found out in the um, Gaming Historian video that I, I didn't know until I researched it, which I thought was kind of interesting. I'm I'm always curious to see which um, SNES carts have special chips in it and stuff. Yeah, it, it uses the SA1 chip, which has a lot going on it to try to sort of... It does a lot of little things in this game. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, I find that stuff fascinating. Oh, it is. It is interesting. It also just, like, the, that cartridge adds extra RAM and another processor at a much higher clock speed than the uh, stock SNES one. Mm-hmm. What's the chip that was in Mega Man X2 and X3? That's like a Capcom-specific one. Uh, and It uses the CX4. That sounds right. And that one's mostly for, like, wireframe vectors. Mm-hmm. They, they really use that, given that wireframes appear, like, twice in those games combined. <laughs> well, thanks to that, I think it's why X2 and X3 are so damn expensive on the second. Yeah, they probably just made less of them, because they were inherently less profitable in virtue of that extra little processing. So, we got so, okay, one... Smithy. I mean, Smithy's not exactly a deep character, but... no. He is an intimidating. He is a worthy final opponent. Yeah, he's he's pretty spooky. Um, he, he I mean, it's not. He doesn't really show up all that much in the game, but once you fight him, he's just you know talking about wanting to make nothing but weapons and stuff like that. And... He has a tank for a head sometimes. That's but true. He. It's good. Like I felt that was. I felt that deserved to be shut out. Though I was always confused as a kid because I thought Smithy was the giant sword sticking out of the keep, Bowser's Keep. And it isn't until you beat the game when you realize that that's not the actual Smithy of the sword. That that's just, I don't even know the name of that boss. Well, you do fight it. Yeah, you do fight it. Uh, looking it up, it seems to be named Exor? Yeah. Sounds right. 
but it is not smoothie. No. Very specific. And a, a lot of the um, bosses that you fight in this game are themed after weapons. Like, um, one of the first bosses you face is a knife named Mac. Which, <laughs> Forgot about that. Which, which is a hilarious pun. Um then you meet Bo- uh, in the forest. There's Boyer, the uh, gigantic living bow. That's kind of a, one of the real, one of the first pa- pain in the ass boss fights in the game because he disa- randomly disables some of your uh, button presses. Yep, he'll he'll just hit the X or the Y or the A button, and you can't use. Well. Yep, and then I think Yardovich is a spear. I think that's the one that you fight in the. Um, the underground, not the underground, the sunken ship. Or after the sunken ship. I'm just not remembering right now. I remember fighting Johnny, but not what came immediately after him. Except the Axum Rangers, which came in the volcano. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed a lot of the boss fights in the game. They, they were very unique, um, very, very uniquely designed, very colorful. Um, each of the bosses was kind of like a character onto itself. Um, what a, it was just it, for for the time that it came out, it was a really unique and fascinating game to play through, and no wonder my blockbuster never had it because it is such a good game. It was like this weird confluence between Mario and Square Enix, like just mm-hmm. just this perfect mix. Wait, yes, wait. Mr. Apps, don't call it Square Enix yet. You're, you're jumping the gun. Square Enix didn't exist for another. Sorry, <laughs> Square Soft. Yeah, because Square Enix is a very distinct entity now. Yes, unfortunately. After all, Square Enix has not managed to create a new Mario RPG in all the years managed to patch up a relationship with Nintendo, has it? Nope, unfortunately not. Um, We were supposed to get a Mario RPG 2 on the N64, and that ended up turning into um, Paper Mario. Which, you know, was a nice follow-up, but it if you played um, Mario RPG first, it just did not have the charm that uh, Mario RPG did. At least that's how I thought. I, I thought it was a good game, but just it paled in comparison to Mario RPG. No, it well, would maybe... take its sequel to uh, reach those same levels. Yeah. Well, maybe people looked fondly upon Paper Mario at the time because it what, three RPGs on the N64? Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, without that, all you'd have is, like, what, Quest? Well, you've got Ogre Battle, and, um, uh, I don't think we're counting the Zeldas here. Oh, Iden Chronicles! Yes! Everybody loves that one. Yeah, there was a reason why I didn't buy it. I only bought my N64 at a garage sale years why later. Did you, why did you remind me of Iden Chronicles first mage? I don't even know what that is. Because somebody br- somebody brought up Paper Mario, which is one of the two worthy Three. RPGs on the N64. Oh, Three. noteworthy. <laughs> yeah. So, if, well, by noteworthy, I'd say there's only one. But Are we counting Ogre Battle 64? Oh, uh, Ogre Battle is kind of skirting the edge of noteworthy. I mean, like, it's good, but I mean, like, I don't think I thought about it at the time. Well, I th- let's phrase it this way. If you wanted a tactical game on the N64, that was your option. It's a pretty good I one mean, option. As, as things go, the only real flaw is that since it wasn't directed by Yasumi well, Matsuno, it doesn't have a Queen reference. I remember reviews so at the time said, seriously, it would be a good game even if there was competition on Nintendo's machine. 
I mean, but, yeah, like that's that's the thing about it. Is that, like, it it's good. You don't have to apply caveats, but at the same time, you don't have a choice. <laughs> anyway, that, this really doesn't have anything to do with Mario, though. No. No, I'm I'm dipping in my chaos frame. <laughs> We need to get wrapping this one up because we've still got another game to talk about. Um, so it sounds like y'all like it. Sounds like people should go out and play it, right? Yes. 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 I I wholeheartedly endorse it. Don't pay like $2,000 or something, but yes, you should play What? Then why did Phil go to all the effort of looking up that steel Japanese copy? Yeah, you got to get it. <laughs> Hello? Because, of course, you want to play it in Japanese. It's not as if this had a pretty darn good localization for 96 standard. Hey, it was a Ted Woosley localization. Well, you know, he, he he made some pretty darn good localizations, especially considering the limitations he was. Hey, I, I am one of the Ted Woosley supporters of the day. I think that he was given, I think that he was given beef jerky and turned it into ribeye steak. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> So, so, yeah, Super Mario RPG. It's a lot of fun. You know what? I even tried some of the mini... I think I tried every mini game in it. I didn't necessarily get them at the highest potential level, but I did try them. And that's an accomplishment with me, because I try not to do those damn things anymore unless I'm forced. I really got sucked into that Game Boy game that you end up with and that... I forgot what it's called. It's the Beetle... I think it's called, like, Beetlemania or something? That sounds right. I even tried the stinking Yoshi races, which really, those are not fun. I, I could never do the Yoshi races, and apparently the game lies to you about how they actually work, or it wasn't localized correctly or something. That might explain why I never got anywhere. Yeah. So, it sounds like y'all like the game. It sounds like it's stuck with you. There's a segue. Question is, can you say the same thing for Paper Mario Sticker Star? Developed by Yay. Intelligent Systems, published by Nintendo, released in North America on November 11, 2012 for your Nintendo 3DS handheld entertainment system. This is a single-player RPG experience. Okay, Mr. Apps, I know you love the hell out of this game, and... That may be a slight exaggeration. <laughs> but yes, I do enjoy it. I remember appreciating certain aspects of it, such as it it actually feels far more akin to another platformer than anything. You have have levels on a world map that you go to. I mean, you have to go through a lot of them over and over in order to find exactly what you need in order to progress. But uh, really, it progresses kind of like a platformer, except you get stuck in... RPG turn-based battles, which is just not as much fun in a platformer setting to me. It's it's a weird game, and I'd say it's like a mix of platformer and adventure game and RPG, which doesn't always mesh perfectly. Uh, yeah, I I heard that this was a very polarizing entry in the um, Paper Mario mythos. I would it's, say so. It's a top to bottom rethinking of everything about it. So, yeah. This is yeah, like, all right. So like, when you fight in this game, you have to use a sticker, and the stickers are in limited supply. Which that's not inherently a problem because every time you get out of a battle, you're going to get stickers. But it does mean that I have to think about just any 
animal grunt fight a little more than I like. Look, here's the Goomba that I've just stomped 50 times, and I still have to think a wanted to about how I'm going to stomp him into the dirt this time. You can also run away. This is true. <laughs> I mean, listen, the, the combat's probably... It's definitely got some issues in the game. Like, I think they needed a better way to incentivize actually taking part in combat because uh, there's no there's no like levels or anything in this game. Uh, meaning like you, Mario does not gain experience. experience. Right. A, a fight can give you money and stickers, which is what and money is used on stickers, and what a fight uses is stickers. And your inventory space expands at set points in the game. Yeah. And that's really your only form. The, the new stickers to which you have access. And I distinctly remember I was doing the review for the site on this, and I came to numerous points where I just walked back and forth between the levels trying to figure out what the hell do I do to progress because there are a lot of hidden exits. And in order to trigger the hidden exits, you have to meet some pretty specific criteria that... Maybe if you get into a certain puzzly frame of mind will make sense, but I was rarely there, and I kept having to ask Mac, Mac, can you inquire of Nintendo, what the hell is going on here? What do I need to do? Because after about the fifth time of completing a level and seeing, okay, there's obviously another exit here, but I can't figure out how to access it, I would just kind of get tired of racking my brain to no no use. I think at times they went a bit too far into the adventure realm and making you try and figure out some obtuse puzzles and things like that. Very much had the spirit of an old uh, point-and-click adventure game. Yes, it had something, and it sounded like lateral thinking you had during a dream. Yeah, all the good and all the bad. <laughs> in in particular, you get some things that are pretty obvious. You get the jump sticker, you get the hammer sticker. Fire flower or whatnot. And then you have these thing stickers. They can literally just call things. Yes. You get something like uh was there a hair dryer in here? Probably. I think there was there's at least a fan, because that's one of the first ones. Yeah. And you get to use that fan. And here's the great part. Once you use it, it goes away. You have to and if you didn't use it in the right spot, you have to go back and get it again. Because these thing Oops. stickers you generally can't buy. They come from a very specific spot. So you used your fan sticker. You thought, hey, I'm in a field. What happens if I use the fan sticker to blow grass? Absolutely nothing. Oh. Nothing happened. Reset. Reload your safe. Hope you saved because otherwise they're going to have a bit of a trip. Yeah. That's – I didn't play much in the way of adventure games because this sort of thing has never really appealed to me. And this did not change my mind. No, it definitely, it definitely would not. It's, it's not a perfect game. I, I appreciate some of the things they were going for. Uh, I just don't think they fully thought out some ideas. Like I said, the combat, uh, I'm fine with going like ditching levels and all that. And it, it just, I found found myself running away from combat too often, just because it became at times it was more of a nuisance than anything else. And they needed they needed a better incentive to actually partake in combat, other than just grabbing some coins, um, which you can just find in blocks anyway, or 
Just yeah. jump up and jump and catch them. So that that was an issue, but I actually enjoyed the combat, especially a lot of the uh, boss battles were pretty inventive and fun. That is true. The boss battles tend to use the thing, and if you don't use the things in the boss battles, then you're going to be in trouble. Uh, I, oh. I've heard that, or I heard that the stickers and some of the things in the, in the boss fights get pretty surreal. Like, something about a goat, or like goat stickers and... It's pretty wacky. Uh, I'm trying to remember specific. Let's see. One of the first bosses is a series of a giant blooper, right? And you have yeah. to use something like an, is it a sponge? Something to dry the, the blooper out. I want to say. Of course, I can't remember the specifics, and I'd have to I'd have to dig through the Wikipedia in, in order to find out what did I do here. <laughs> Oh my goodness, Luigi had six cameos in the game. Thank you. <laughs> I never would have known that otherwise. Year of Luigi. Well, this came out the year before the year of Luigi. It presaged the year of Luigi. Uh. And hey, Birdo was in it, which I had completely forgotten. Always love Birdo. Birdo I is in Mario RPG also. I always enjoy uh, Luigi in Paper Mario, specifically the second one. He is just hilarious. Him having his weird other adventure. Yes, it's like I want to. I kind of want to play Luigi's game. <laughs> it sounds great. It'd be less fun if you actually. Sure. Oh, I'm sure. I've never played Thousand Year Door. Uh, you I should. Like it, but oh, I think you should. It's a bit overindulgent. And don't listen to Dave. You should play it. It's great. Uh, I, I didn't say don't play it. I said. <laughs> <laughs> Is it superior to Sticker Star? Yes. Eh, Yes. Um, yeah, and I guess Sticker Star is one of those games that fits my reputation of liking weird experimental things. So, you know, it's a weird game. And uh, obviously I am not going to vigorously defend some of the decisions and some of the difficult puzzles that are that I had to look up on game facts. And I think there were a few where even after, like, looking up a game fact, I had to look up a video or something because the text <laughs> didn't help enough. <laughs> And remember, when I did the review, GameFAQs had nothing on it. Yeah. So I kept having to ask Mac to ask Nintendo. Yeah, they they went a bit too crazy. I specifically remember in like the haunted the haunted mansion area, there was I forget what you're looking for in there, but there was like one last thing I couldn't find, and they, where it was was just. What you had to do to get it was just ridiculous. And it's like, how is anyone supposed to figure this out? <sighs> Obviously, you were just supposed to waste as much time as you conceivably could until you were so bored that you just tried random crap. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I am... Um... And all for them trying trying to do different things with the Paper Mario series. Uh, I loved uh, Super Paper Mario, for example, and I liked where they were going with this. Just the execution uh, could have been a lot better. It's a little new for us to talk about. What is it? Color Splash? That's the newest one. Yes. Yeah. And that is an attempt to evolve stickers. That is also we'll touch on weird it again game. another day. Yeah. Uh, but Sticker Star, there's a lot of fun to be had in there. Just bringing in, bring an FAQ with you, for the love of God. And be prepared that it's it's not what you're used to if you just got off of uh, Paper Mario and Thousand. Yeah. Which I think may have also been 
may have also caused some problems because when they first showed it, it looked a lot more like those games. And let's, I'm looking at my review again because I'm, I'm finding that these reviews are incredibly helpful. Is anybody else having audio issues? No. Okay. Looks like just Kelly's having one for some. Actually, Discord has been behaving surprisingly well tonight, so I guess it was time. <laughs> but a whole lot of the music in Sticker Star is remixed stuff from the Mario platformers that I think everybody has played. But I think I just disconnected and reconnected. Yeah, I uh, I couldn't hear anyone for some reason, so I had to quickly leave the call and come back. I... Yeah, I gotta say that this was the first Paper Mario game that I had played, and I did like the inventiveness with which they applied the paper concept. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not that's not so new to veterans of it, but for me, it was pretty cool. I don't yeah, see Sticker Star uses that a lot more than the prior games in general. Yeah. The thing I would say is that if you were to play like Paper Mario one and two, you would find that they are much more like an in between between Mario RPG and Mario and Luigi, and yeah, I mean, that's part of why, like, I think that part of why Sticker Star became what it was was that having both Paper Mario and Mario in the week within a year of each other on 3DS would be kind of the redundant sort of thing to do. And looking here, I see, just in case anyone was curious about the story of Sticker Star, please, Mr. Apps, tell us about the, the very complicated story. Uh, Bowser kidnaps the princess or something. Is that about it? How did Bowser you ever Jr. remember it? Isn't Bowser Jr. in there or something? Uh, I think all you needed to say was Bowser kidnaps the princess yeah, and Yeah, that's, there's a lot of fun dialogue and like some goofy jokes in here, but that was kind of my disappointment in a little bit of my disappointment in this, in that the previous Paper Mario games generally had like different villains and a lot more original characters than this game did. So... Um, Although it, it brought the funny, it, it didn't quite bring as much of the new characters and stuff that well, it didn't even necessarily bring the. A lot of the funny was direct visual because there's not a whole lot of dialogue in the game. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fine though. That's kind of that's, the series does a lot, a lot of like I'd say visual comedy. But I felt like mentioning the Sniffit game show, which I remember being kind of funny. Yeah. And the was the Enigmansion, where you have to hunt Boo Buddies. The, the few stages that do have dialogue stand out because of that. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's clear they were doing a lot of experimenting with this game, and obviously the results in some places are better than others. But I think overall, it, it, as long as you're willing to put up with some weird issues, uh, I think there's a lot of good stuff to find in this game. And uh, I haven't really played the sequel, so I don't know how much they actually like followed up on that, but um, there's a lot of good ideas in this game. Yeah, I can agree with... There are a lot of good ideas. I don't think they were implemented as well as they could no, have. No. And honestly, I still agree with what I said six years ago, that it's the RPG parts that are the clunkiest parts of the game. If it was just a straight platformer, I would have enjoyed it a heck of bouncing around the levels like Mario. Yeah, honestly, they could have just left in like the boss battles and then just yeah, jumped off regular enemies and I think just it worked stomp them and okay. deal it. I think it's just an issue of, um, you know, this is obviously an established series at this point and maybe they were worried about making that drastic a change, even though, yes, they had just done 
Super Paper Mario, but you know, uh, I think because this was using like uh, a perspective more similar to the previous games, that they probably didn't want to completely eliminate the combat. Which, unfortunately, did not work out very well. No. Um, so, for anyone playing this, I would say um, if the combat's getting in your way, just be prepared to run away a lot and, you know, learn to avoid combat because sometimes that's your, just your best bet. It's good in the game if you're willing to engage with something. Yeah, no, the combat can be fun. It's just um, there's a bit too much of it. <laughs> Especially with, like I said, not much of an incentive to actually do it. So... And you know, especially yeah, in, a, in a platformer, excessive combat is usually not a problem. In Mario Three, say, I don't mind it when I have a whole bunch of enemies bounce, 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 bounce. They die. Yeah. When I have to take thirty seconds each to go into a turn-based battle and kill them, that's a bit more wearing. And it becomes a real problem when you're also trying to figure out a puzzle. <laughs> so. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think that's you know the bigger there's issue. some secret exit around here. Yes. And you have to figure out whatever the developers are trying to whatever obtuse logic they're operating by this time that will open up the exit. And usually unless you are operating on the exact same way then it's it's just more efficient to go over to game facts. Yep. And it's not too hard to to get this game, you know, on Amazon or Pretty many, pretty out there. Thirty bucks. Give. I'm, I'm, your your, I'm your sure energy it... level has decreased, Phil. I thought you asked price. Because it's stickers. I, you know, <laughs> you guys lost me at point and click adventure. You need to look up FAQs to get through this. So th- there's nothing here for you me. You love to see. FAQs, Phil. No, no, and I like point and click adventures where I'm constantly clicking around trying to figure out where the secret item is at and how this item fits into that item to be placed over here so that my turn a handle over there. No, no. I That's that's the bane of my existence. That and competitive first-person shooters. Maybe sports games. Outside WWE. But, you know, no. So, go get Paper Mario Star. Opposite of me. Extraordinarily cheap now. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, thank you very much, panel. We're going to take a break and come back to wrap this up with the final episode. Final lap where I don't know we do all kinds of kitchen sink stuff, tell you what we're playing, and and all kinds of, of jazz. Uh, Mike, while I was listening to you guys go on and on about the uh, the Super Mario RPGs, like you talked about every single one except for the one I played. Um, I, I, one, one thought, Which one thought, did you play? It's the one on like the was it the Game Boy with Mario and Game Luigi? Boy Advance? Yeah, Mario and Luigi. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it had like Mario and Luigi, and there was some RPG mechanics, but you also had to press buttons to make them jump and dodge. Yeah, that was Mario and Luigi. Luigi Superstar Saga. Yeah, yeah. So that's like the one we didn't talk about, right? Yeah. We well, I think if we go back and listen to a much earlier episode, I think it's called "It's a Me, Paper Mario." You might just find that we already talked we about already it talked in the back way, yeah. and you may in fact have said something. I about might have. Way. I don't remember. That, boys and girls, this is what Devastator Beer does to your brain cells. Just don't do it. Anyways, so what I was thinking, though, Mike, is so like... What you're the, saying is do as you say, not as you do. Right. So so what I was what I was thinking to myself while you guys were talking about it, it's like, huh, for the last... I think I could be wrong. I have to go back and listen to the intro because I just edit these things and stuff and together and throw them all online. But we've been doing Mario intros for the last... 24, 25 shows, and it changes on the next show. 200 has its own very own brand new intro that will run for the next 25 shows. Was was that a coincidence, Mike? Because I know you picked, you're the one who actually arranges these shows. Was that a coincidence, or was that really inspired because we've been playing that Mario intro for the last 24 shows? Well, I'm not coming up with some deep and amazingly effective master plan at the moment, so it's probably a coincidence but maybe there is some deep subliminal urge of mine that just wants to make this a little more serendipitous. So you can take it whichever way makes me look better. How's that? Unconscious bias got you down. So... Just Bob Ross it. It's a happy accident. Yeah. Uh, whatever, he, whatever he says to this shows there are no accidents, just happy surprises. I can't remember. Happy sur- I thought that was just cool because it's the last show that will have that Mario intro. So, uh, yeah. Episode uh, 200 is coming up. I know I'm super excited about it. Uh, it's called An Octopus at the Opera. I'm not going to tell you what game it is. If you can't figure it out from that, I'm not sure. You're, I, I don't know if you're in the right podcast or not. If you can and you want to mention it on Twitter that, that you know, or send me a message or something like that, I will put you in my grab bag for a free prize. Sometimes I go for pretty obscure references with my titles. Not this time. Mm -mm. I can't figure out half of Mike's Mike's titles, but this one is like a slam dunk no-brainer. Put it this way. I think this game is probably the reason why most of us are here together right now. Mm -hmm. If I've ever to wait, yeah. Yeah. So I'm super excited uh, to talk about uh, that game. Uh, that we won't mention that has octopus at the opera <laughs> and uh, uh, super 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 stoked to talk about it uh, I'm actually I, can't wait. I, I am I, you know I, I it's not very often for these shows that I will go back and play a game just to prep for a show but but I haven't played this game in so long that I'm playing it again and I'm just I'm not gonna talk, say more I'm just I'll, I'll talk about it you know, so super, super exciting. We got a new introduction. We got a new kind of sort of new segment, uh, the CRPG Club that I've talked about before that makes its debut. Uh, we've got uh, we got giveaways. We got all kinds of prizes. So, you know, definitely you'll want to join us for that podcast, RPG Backtrack number 200, The Octopus at the Opera, coming to a podcast catcher near you. Uh, we also like to read the comments here on this segment, of which we have one, because our last episode was First I Light, I See Tonight, and No Name. Starflight. Starflight, Starflight, whatever, Devastator. All right, so 
I often forget Starflight is an RPG. Thanks for going over it. One thing I want to point out, Starflight was coded in V-Base. I believe it's called not C. The language games are typically coded in. I know it's kind of weird. Oh, yeah. Hey, I didn't know. I didn't either. You learn something new I wonder if it's still coded in V-Base for the Genesis part. Yeah, for the Genesis. Yeah. Oh, what, what Genesis games were coded in? Uh, whatever made for the cheapest cartridge, probably. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I don't know, but, um, uh, there, there you go. But anyways, thank you for your comments. You can leave your comments. If you're listening to previous episodes, always leave your comments on the latest episode, because that's where I look at. You can also shoot me off a, a Twitter message at JC server. Happy to read that on the air. Uh, you can always try email me at JC server at rpgamer.com. I need to actually check that one. Uh, people email better yet. Just talk to us on discord. We have a lot of chatter going on over on Discord server, you can find out how to join by going over to rpgamer.com, clicking on communities, going down to Discord, and you can join, because we have a lot of people in there talking about everything from their favorite RPGs to Smash Brothers to the CRPG Club. Uh, There's a lot of chatter going on there, so come and hang out with people who share your enthusiasm for RPGs. Uh, Let's do the round table where you guys get our panel gets to talk about what they're playing, what they're doing, what they're thinking, what they're doing on the site, and whatever they please. Um, hmm, I don't actually remember who's on the show. What about that anonymous guy? Anonymous guy, what are you working on? Hey! You might know me as the other guy from Q&A Quest. The other guy. Hi, the other guy from Q&A Quest. Hello. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Uh, I feel like there's a fancy acronym in there somewhere. You've been on Q&A Quest, Phil. I have? Yes. No, no, wait a minute, Mike. You might be confusing that with the podcast that was really the RPG Backtrack Presents Q&A Quest. Because that's what how I getting into the legalese. Yeah, because that's how I introduce when I'm on those shows. It's actually I'm t- I take over. It's totally such a dominating personality. It's a nightmare. Yeah. It's a nightmare. Yeah, they don't invite the, me back very often, to be honest. But the thumbnail logo on our podcast categorization doesn't show any different when you do that. How am I supposed to know at a glance? Ooh, I need to go and edit the thumbnails. That's something I can do. That that's oh, something that's... I know how to do. I like our new back end. Yeah, it's very easy. Oh, no. <laughs> Thank you for the idea, Mike. I totally didn't even think about that. Yeah, how are people to instantly identify the ones you're on? Yeah, no, totally. I'm on it. That's that's a thing. It's totally well, a thing. I'm very excited for that uh, that entire page to break in respect to You know, right? I, I honestly <laughs> felt like you would have been totally valid uh in 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 in, in or you know the, the intro to the show to say no this is actually q a quest starring rpg backtracks i feel no, like that no, if, if if both me and wheels were here then i would say ah. sure yes i'll do that but... you know him he just drop comes in and drops out of the podcast whenever he wants whereas when you guys invite me on i stay for the whole gig i mean for you it like it might as well be the podcast only it just started by the time we're done so hmm. fair enough <laughs> so what are you playing my friend what are you working on uh, working on. I don't. I don't feel like that's that's worth talking about. But playing. Uh, just picked up Tales of Vesperia Definitive. I guess. Really? Have you started jumping into it yet? Uh, I'm only a couple hours in. Like, I played the original when it was new. It's still Wait, pretty much. It's still pretty you, similar. You mean you played it on the 360? Yeah. Despite the fact that so many people on our forums thought that it was absolutely and completely 
implausible to ever own Microsoft equipment, and thus you had to have Namco release that thing on the PS3 because there's no way they could possibly play it. Oh, man. That's... Hey, you could have just did what I did and just had a boyfriend at the time that had a 360 and just played it on his. That's yeah. how I handled that. I think that's a great way no, to handle that. No. Obviously, playing on the Xbox 360... Completely impossible. And if you don't believe me, then just look at some of the people on our forums who constantly chimed in. Yeah, I, w- I would love this game if it would only come out on the PS3, and it's in there, it's out there in Japan. Why won't they bring it to the PS3 in North America? Mm. A, licensing. Licensing. It rules. It's such a strange game to be that hung up on. Because, I mean, it's good. I mean, it's a pretty good Tales game, but I mean... It's not a game where I'd be like, if you didn't get to play this, you really missed out. I mean, it's it's just a pretty good sort of comfort food JRPG. I mean, I, I felt those people's pains because, you know, I bought a 360 just for that Lost Odyssey in Blue Dragon. And, you know, like the, a couple of the games that are kind of crossovers like um, Portal 2 and, you know, stuff that I can get cheaper on the 360. But I, I feel the pain. But I kind of just dealt with it. You want to have the thrill of playing Final Fantasy XIII on DVDs and just a single play? We know that according to the, our usual math, that the number of discs a game comes on are, is intrinsically related to its quality. Right, Phil? Oh, absolutely. Well if, well, if that's the case, then doesn't that mean Riven on the PS1 is just the gold standard? How many discs is it on? I think five. it was like five. It's Ooh. five, because that's what it was on PC as Ooh, well. Oh, I okay. need a copy of that. <laughs> Give me, give me, give me. By, by our amazingly flawless and completely ironclad disc number equals quality ratio, that would make it one of the best games ever made. Yeah, absolutely. 10 what out of 10. Help to compete. Let's go back to when video games came on unreasonable numbers of floppy disks. And it, it can't be those, those three and a half floppy disks. We need the five and a quarter maximum quantity. Get out eight inch floppy disks for life. Oh man, I remember when my games would come on multiple floppy disks and you'd have to like boot it off the first disk, but then you had to put in whatever game disk you were actually on at the time to put it back in. Sometimes it'd make you swap them out in the middle of even a fight. You'd have to swap out the disk sometimes, but you did it because you wanted your RPG. Hey, I'll never forget. I'll never forget being on a Commodore 128 and, you know, loading your game, making yourself a sandwich, checking the mail coming back and hoping that it's loaded yeah it really taught you the value of multitasking yes it really did like you always had a side hobby whenever you had a commodore or an early pc you had like at the very least you had a novel there you were working on you know that you just read (laughs) by the time you actually beat the rpg chances are you got through maybe even the second book in the series it taught you the value of planning too it's like well, I don't necessarily want to play now, but I mean, you know. <laughs> <I might> wanna... <laughs> so let me start loading it now, and it might be ready. <laughs> By the time I feel like it. <laughs> I wonder if that C64 Classic that came out replicates that experience, because to me, that's just not a Commodore without without it. Multitasking. I, all, I have... all appearances say that it just loads everything into my uh, Yeah, I have Fail. used... I have used a Commodore, uh, I have played games on the Commodore emulator on the PC, and I will say it takes longer than instant, but it's not as nearly as long as the classic, so yeah, it, it just, yeah, it misses it there. 
just want to rank, rank every game, but every system by how long its average load time. You know, between that and actually the way I, you know, a lot, a lot of the ways I also, it was either how many discs it had or just how thick its instruction book was. You know, back in the days when we got instruction books. So that's why Never Winter Nights was like the bee's knees because that thing came in a spiral-bound hundred and whatever pages it was instruction well, book. Well, here's how awesome. the D&D 3 Yeah. Handbook. Well, Phil, didn't the Gold Box games come with massive instruction books that were actually length because they the discs were... themselves that, that allowed you to spare a whole lot of uh, potential text size? You know, for the uh, – yeah, in the 80s, they were the gold standard, uh, both in the color of the box and the instruction books. Uh, I just remember – I actually – here's here's a little here's a little trivia from Phil's sister. I'm sorry. We're taking Anonymous' time. But I was I, – I had bought a gold box game. I was so excited that I was reading the instructions at the red light, you know, in the car. I was so excited. And my foot slipped off the brake because I wasn't paying attention, and I rear-ended the guy in front of me. Uh, so, wow. luckily, I didn't do any damage. You know, I was just idling. Did your insurance premiums go up? No, no, because there was no claim. But it was it was pretty embarrassing. But it was because I was dying to read this instruction. I mean, that's how it was back then. You wanted to read the instruction before playing the game. You just wanted to dive into the, all the juicy bits. And you really couldn't enjoy the game without reading the instruction book first because you wouldn't know what the beep you were doing. So... Uh, you had, yeah, you, so the first thing you did was like, give me that thick instruction book. Let me start reading into it and diving into it. So I start building my party because I need to know all the rules to build my party. It was so exciting. Uh, but I suppose I have to ask what it's like trying to play that type of computer. If say there's a hurricane a couple days away that might eventually affect the power. Oh God. I, I don't know because when I was a kid, we weren't allowed near the uh, computer during a, a storm. Oh yeah, everything got unplugged during a storm in Florida. Yeah. It was it yeah. was a no, yeah, yeah, because the computers were so expensive. I was watching a commercial for an early Tandy computers, which is what we had, and they were like a thousand dollars, which doesn't sound like that much, but back in the eighties, that was like, yeah, that was like a quarter of a car. Uh, so it, uh, yeah, you unplug that thing, you protected it with your life. And see, my my PC early PC game experience is different because I didn't even realize that PC games were store bought because most of our Commodore games were copied from other discs. And so we we just had like a huge disc box that was just full to the brim with uh, double sided floppies that had pretty much every C sixty four game e- existing. And I think my first store bought C sixty four game was like the TMNT or the Ninja Turtles game that was on, on the NES. And I never got very far in that game, not realizing that, you know, I think that that version uh, has an impossible jump anyway. But by then I ended up getting my NES anyway, so there was that. But but yeah, the <laughs> the piracy in the 64 was real. So, I really appreciate the, uh, the amount that, like, since no one was regulating what came out on a... 80s computer, you could just release a game that just wasn't finishable. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it was the Wild West. Mm-hmm. Fun times. Well, now we've got big rigs. Big rigs is uh, eternal. Oh man, I think that might be. I think big rigs might be old enough to drive now. What about that uh, that Tony Hawk game that came out two years ago that was just crapped out to maintain the license? Well, yeah, that, I feel terrible for the people who have to work on that. Yep, big rigs will be old enough to drive by the end of the year. 
and then it can never be caught by the police because well, I mean, there are right no police in the game. No, they'll clip right through it. It'll be great. Uh, all right, so uh, how about you, Miss Belly Tyen? Oh, you think in 2019 you'd get my name right by now? Huh? But I, gu- I guess right. that was a far-off wish. Maybe, maybe you're, you're not the one getting your name right. Have you thought about that? No, I'm pretty sure I know my own name. I don't know. But, uh, I, um, I think Phil does have half of a point here. It's entirely possible that everyone has been conspiring throughout your life to get your name wrong, and mm-hmm. he's the only one who has seen through the facade. I just want you to know the truth. I'm not just, saying it's likely. Yeah. I'm saying it's a possibility. I'm just I want you to see the truth uh, that everyone's hiding from you. I know your true destiny. You know, given how many times I've had to correct people, including people I've worked with for years, yeah. I might have but been reading some I, I could... your books. I could uh, I could ramble about that for hours. What I've actually been doing is I have decided that 2019 is my year of saying farewell to the 3DS. Aww. Uh, well, I mean, not really far- farewell, but more like just wrapping up the 3DS. Because I was looking at my game shelf the other day, as, as you do, and realized that I have finished practically... Like, more than half of the 3DS games that I have bought, which is unprecedented for a uh, system for me. Usually, I end up buying more games than I actually finish. So, And I, I documented this on Twitter. I went through all of my games and figured out, okay, what is finishable? You know, rolling out stuff like Harvest Moon or, you know, any any kind of sandboxy or like Animal Crossing. I don't really consider that finishable. Um, rolling out all of that and then rolling out anything that I've already finished on other systems. So like Tales of the Abyss and um, Xenoblade Chronicles and stuff like that. And I ended up coming up with 23 games on the 3DS that I want to finish before December 31st. And this is also bearing in mind that um, I'm playing Bowser's Inside Story right now, which just came out. I'm going to be playing through Etrian Odyssey Nexus, and I'm Persona Q2. Will we get it? Yes, yes. That's that's the other one that's going to kind of halt this. That that, that's going to be a high priority game because I need Persona Q. I'm going to be so upset if that doesn't hit. I want Persona Q2 too. I'm making the prediction that we will probably get that. We've got uh, the beta what? versions of the dancing games. We'll get that. I, th- I think what's happening is that Atlas is kind of dragging their feet on announcing it while they get through the Etrian Odyssey um, cycle, and then after that ha- is kind of all said and done, then they're going to come out and announce it. And it's and I'm going to be surprised if it's... I- I'm going to predict maybe by summer, maybe by I suspect fall. it's announced at whatever the next direct. Yeah. I love Persona yeah, so. Q. I don't know why, but I do. I keep playing it. Well, like, I mean, I, 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 love Persona Q. I love Persona Q, and I, um, because I love Persona 5 so much, much I want a, a spin-off Persona game with this character. That would be cool. So, I, I mean, Morgana is probably my favorite character in the entire series. I'm, a, I'm actually thinking about getting Morgana art tattooed on me as one of my first tattoos, but we'll see. We'll see. I'm, in my head, I'm just thinking of the picture of Sakurai hugging the giant Morgana at the Atlas headquarters. Yes, I, I love Morgana. He's awesome. Plus, he's a kitty. And, and my mom's cat kind of looks like uh, cat form Morgana. <laughs> she, has, she has a tuxedo cat. And if if that if that game would have came out when that cat was a kitten, I would have insisted on calling her Morgana. But Bigger. anyway, 
So, yeah, I've got 23 3DS games that I want to get through. Um, I kind of ranked them in order of wanting to play. Um, some of the crappier stuff, like Final Fantasy Explorers and One Piece Romance Dawn. Whoa. Whoa. Excuse me, sorry. Yeah. I was waiting yeah. for Wheel to come in and make the barking noise. Yes, yeah. Explorers. Explorers makes me nauseous. I tried to play it, and I was like, this is way too boring and not fun, and this is clearly meant to be more of a multiplayer game, but I can't imagine anybody that would want to play this with me. Wait, Sally, this is one of the games, remember when Mac was shopping around to see if people would take his excess games last year? I took Final Fantasy Explorers. Are you saying that he was just dumping it off on me? Yes. Well, you know, maybe he wanted to... You know, maybe if he had that in his possession um, for getting to the gates to the afterlife, that Charon, the fairy master, just would have been like, no, no, you're, you're not, you didn't pawn that off on somebody else, that you're not paying for the fairy with that. Just no. Need a few more play coins. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But, um, I don't want to think <sighs> of Mac that uh, darkly. <laughs> <laughs> He's a hero. Yes. Only heroes get to get to pay with play coins. Yes, but um, let's see what else is at the bottom of the pile. I think here Heroes of Ruin is one of the ones at the bottom of the pile. Oh yeah, the um, game that came out in PAL regions before it came out here, wasn't it? Yeah. The though I don't know that one might surprise me because I do like me a Diablo clone. But I en- uh, I enjoyed it quite a lot. Yeah. We'll have to see. What else was at the bottom of the pile? I, I had all this on Twitter. I, I documented this whole thing on Twitter and had games all over my bedroom and stuff. Okay, let's see here. Um, Co- Codename Steam was one of the ones that I was kind of hey, mad Phil, on. you played that. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot to a point that I think I hit like a difficulty spike or something. But yeah, I like the uh, I like the atmosphere. I like the comic feel to it. I like tactical RPGs. It's actually if you're a fan of of um, Valkyria Chronicles and the such, it has a few things in common with it. I, I haven't played a Valkyria Chronicles, though. I hear that those are supposed to be amazing. But um, we'll have to see about that one. I might bump that one up a little bit. And then another one. We'll call them amazing. And then and. Another one that's like way at the bottom, like right above One Piece Romance Dawn, the Land Greaser game. You know, uh, oh. the, pro- the problem here is that I want to recommend that you go play a whole bunch of Land Greaser games that, of course, never came out officially in English and aren't on 3DS. The one that we got 25 freaking years after the only other game in Land Greaser that we ever got was, let me put it as kindly as I can. You don't. You don't Not have to put it kindly. Far from the apex of the series. How's that? See, I've never played. I've I've never played a line greaser game, so maybe I might be able to like it if I don't have any context. Uh, I don't think so. Considering that people who hadn't played one were even more scathing than I was. Okay. I played the, I played the demo bereft of context, and all I could think was, "This is awful. Like, truly, detestably bad." Oh, did, did anybody notice that um, JC said that there's a recording issue? Okay. Oh, yeah, that was like 10 was minutes one, ago. It it's all fixed now. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm we, sorry. we blame him for that. It's fine. It's totally you, can edit, fine. Uh, you can edit that out, my bad. Um, so, I so, could, so, or I could not. <laughs> so then, okay, at the, at, let, let's 
I've, I've, I've said stuff at the bottom of the pile. Do you guys want to hear what's at the top? Yes. I mean, yeah. aside from the um, high-priority new games that are coming out this year, I've got Dream Team and Paper Jam, just to finish off the whole Mario thing, and then Stella Glow. I know Cassandra in particular would tell you that one's going to be a lot of fun. I yeah, liked it. Um, I did not love it, but I liked it. Anna really like pushed me towards that one, and Anna and I have almost the exact same taste. So, and then Rune Factory Four because I really like the other Rune Factory games. Um, Seventh Dragon, which I need to finish. I I liked, but I got kind of burnt out on it. Um, Project Cross Zone Two. I refuse to call it that. I I see Project X Zone. I I call it Project X Zone. Oh, I mean. I, I love the first one. I loved the first one. I loved how ridiculous it was, and I loved just uh, how fun the battles were. I mean, I know that it's all anime trash, but it's fun anime trash, and I just love it. And then my kind of tier two pile is Pokemon Myst- one of the Pokemon Mystery Dungeons, I can't remember which, Conception 2, Code of Princess, Colcept- and Colcept Revolt. Oh, Conception 2. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not going to buy it if I've got the 3DS version. We need to talk about how awesome Cold Set Revolt is. Put it at the top. It is so cool. Okay, you, I'll you, put it in the tier one you pile. take You take Magic the Gathering and mm. you put it together with Monopoly. And it sounds Mm-mm-mm. weird and it sounds stupid, but that's what people used to think about peanut butter and jelly before they put them together and took a bite. That's cold set because it just – I, I am so surprised that there hasn't been like other companies that have, t- have taken this ball and run with it because I don't know. But it is so much fun. I've been following this series since like PlayStation 2 when I played that and I'd have friends come over to my house and play it. And it's even got a, a – actually add a dash of poker to it. Because if you're playing multiplayer with other people, because as you're landing on people's squares in Monopoly, you'd have to pay rent. In Coldcept, you can use your monster cards to attack the defending monster because the way you have lands is by controlling them with your monsters. And if your monster can beat their monster, which is tough to do because generally speaking, their monster has a better defense because of matching color rules and all that other jazz. But -hmm. if you can... You not only not have to not pay rent, but get away with, you know, rent free, but you take over the square. And that's a huge deal because a monopoly, once somebody buys up the expensive squares, it's a game over. You're just waiting for the, you know, waiting for them to bleed you dry. In Coldcept, even if someone's ahead, you still got a chance. If you've got the right combination cards in your hand, you want to lean on that high square to take them over. But at the same time, they've got some extra defense cards. And so maybe you land on their second strongest or third strongest square. And then the question is, do they want to use their card? And if you're playing multiplayer in the same room where everyone can kind of see what's in their hands because it's right there on the screen. But you never know during a fight if they're going to use that defensive card. And they don't know if you're going to use the extra offense cards in your hand to buff your guy who's attacking. So it becomes kind of like a poker game as well. It's it is really awesome multiplayer, but I still even enjoyed in single player, especially since through the campaign you'll unlock more cards, revamp your decks, play on different boards, and and you know and try different strategies out against the computer. But okay. yeah, it's 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 a blast. And, and I might move that up to the tier one pile, but by no means is this like these, this pile thing is like set in stone. Well, except for the crap pile, but that's the crap pile, and it can kind of. 
stay in the crap pile. I can't believe you don't want to play One Priest Romance, Don. Didn't you listen to that great episode where Mr. Apps and I talked about amazing it is? Actually, we- no, I didn't. Did you guys talk about that one? We did. Remember, Mr. Apps? Unfortunately. <laughs> remember, how well it, remember how well it conveys One Piece with those still frames that don't move for a long time and lots of text without any new... Uh, uh. When, I think, uh, when I think of One Piece, I think of entirely non-dynamic art. <laughs> As well you should. That's what, what, that's what makes One Piece popular, is the static images of characters that don't move for a long period. <laughs> I freaking forgot this game happened. I'm glad that I forgot this game happened. Oh, okay, well, okay. I mean... I, I, I mean, I know the story. I could probably skip all the cutscenes. How was the battling? <laughs> the the okay. bear battling is okay. It's just that the dungeons are really boring and repetitive. And now I'm there, questioning. There are also some severe, some severe difficulty increases where you, you kind of did you mention they like were you repetitive? Man, now I'm questioning why I bought this. Why did I buy this? Oh, because it was a GameStop exclusive, and I do enjoy One Piece. And I'm told that if you wanted to, re- I was told that if you wanted to relive the story through your RPG form, that it would be, you know, up my alley. But it sounds like I'm regretting this purchase. Honestly, I think uh, One Piece Pirate Warriors is shockingly a better RPG and story representation <laughs> of One Piece than that game. Yeah, that's my point. Okay, well, I think I might just go... Heck, I might just trade that in or sell it or something and then just, you know, play through Warriors because I've not heard good things about Romance Dawn and... Yeah. What? Can you... Are you taking what we just said as a not an endorsement of it? I can't believe this. Come to this conclusion. Um, yeah, yeah. And then the the other thing that I've got going on um, t- tangentially is I uh, I am excited as hell for Kingdom Hearts three. Yes. Um, yeah. If our th- if, if our two hundredth episode wasn't coming up, I'd be lobbying for a Kingdom Hearts show. What if the two hundredth episode was a Kingdom Hearts show? <laughs> oh. We can no. have one, we can have one slightly after that, but. Episode Please 200. invite me on for that. Were you not listening? Do you have no idea what an octopus at the opera could possibly be referring to? It's not Kingdom Hearts. Hmm, don't I don't say know. it. It's that a trivia question. Jeff, don't do it. Well, no, no, Phil, I have to say it. We are not doing Kingdom Hearts for episode 200. Yeah. I can't believe that you haven't octopus played Kingdom the opera. Hearts 358 back key cover where that happens. <laughs> no. You don't know what that means. I'm kicking you off the podcast. Decision. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts is not getting our 200th episode. It might get up to uh, 201. So let me let me see here. Octopus in an opera. So you're doing Dark Spire, obviously. Finally. <laughs> Finally an entire <laughs> show to, you know, for that one game that we love so much. And we've never talked about it before. I know. It's, Phil, it's, and I, Phil and I never bring it up. Finally, we get to explore it. We get to oh, go yeah. into the ma- the massive cavernous, incredibly intricate narrative of the Dark Spire. What our listeners have been demanding. Well, they have. They just can't get enough. We've hinted at the Dark Spire and how amazing it is so many times that they must have us going on about it for at least a solid hour without a break. 
If you do do Kingdom Hearts for episode two hundred one, please. <laughs> yeah, because I I could I could talk about the um, remakes or not not the remakes the uh, spinoff games. Because apparently, I'm the only person that has played them. And I played all play. of them. Okay. I played I played all of them. Um, oh, all of them. The only one I played was Dangling Dark Dingus, and I don't remember it well, except that I didn't like the Dream controls because I will fight you. I love that game. <laughs> So we'll we'll save all this for the inevitable Kingdom Hearts Dinkum episode. Dinkum Didgeridoo Declaration. Boy, that that is a series that I love, and another series that I know is anime trash, but I love every second of it. It knows what it is. It's great. It, it knows what it is, and, and I tell people that kind of hate on it. It's like, just don't worry about the overarching arching story, and just enjoy the Disney stuff. And if you if you Try to think too hard about the overarching stuff. You're just going to hurt yourself. For exactly the same reason that doing that with any given anime that teenagers will oh, yeah. do an aneurysm. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. But that's that's pretty much all I've been doing. Alrighty. Hmm. Mr. Mr. Apps. Yes? Is there anything you'd like to contribute? Hello, and welcome to Q&A Quest. All right, you're on the um, yeah. now, now I'm kicking you off. Where's the kick button on Discord? I know it's here. Wow. Harsh. And we invited Harsh. you on for our 100th episode, too. You're really loud. Step away from the mic. Step far away. Okay, we try it again. Okay. <laughs> Hello, Phil. How are you? Why are you playing Monster Hunter? I am. I have finally made my glorious wonderful return to monster hunter world about time finally the wheels have come back i have crafted waiting for you i have crafted the hammer of water (laughs) i have smashed some baroth it's all good it's good times i feel like from baroth it's a long climb to near gigante well i i mean it's not like it's the first baroth quest i mean i i'm on the point where you have to just do like expeditions and optional quests to search for the mysterious Rathian footprints or something. Uh, that is definitely not the highlight of the game. No, it's kind of boring. Yeah, they, they you know that's leave it to Monster Hunter games to find a way to take something super cool and exciting and put some really boring shit in it to take the wind out of your sails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's all right. One, I'm sure once you get past that, it's all gravy. So, are you wait? Playing? Did you just say that something in Monster Hunter bored you? That seems wrong. It happens. Uh, if you have listened to any episodes of The Hunt, you may have heard my long, long uh, rant about how the early parts of Monster Hunter Generations drive me insane because they're so boring. So it happens. It's not a perfect series other than four. So <laughs> It's super funny because because in Monster Hunter World, they they work so hard to make this more palatable to a modern audience and for the most part they were successful but it's like they just couldn't help themselves they're like you know we've got to put in one very boring thing in here oh i know since you know they're not having to go on these boring fetch quests anymore let's have these quests where they have to look up tracks lots and lots of tracks all over the place too like you can't just go to one land and find all the tracks you need no 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 you have to go from land to land to land oh and it gets worse 
Oh, my friend, it gets worse because later on you've got to find like traces of the tempered monsters or whatever have you, which is like a bunch of feathers or whatever it might be that's left over from some tempered monster. And they're even more rare than the tracks. And the way I cheese that, <laughs> which is a lot easier to do if you have a faster hard drive, but I went to the where I knew that this one feather respond. I'd go, I'd, I was in the wastelands, I'd go there, get the feather, and then go back to camp. Go back, get the feather, go back to camp. And every time you have to go through loading screens. So it was a little bit easier on the PC version with the flash drive. But uh, that was boring as hell, and it was the 10 most boring minutes of my life. But doing it like the normal way, where you had to search for the damn things all over the place, oh, it seemed to take forever. I get what they were going for. Like The idea would be that you pick up some investigations or some optional missions and find those things along the way. And, you know, be having fun along. But no, you just want to get on to the next story bit. So yeah. you get focused on getting those damn feathers or tracks or whatever. It's irritating. Incredibly irritating. But we'll get through it. Uh, other than that, I've been playing um, a, a small amount of Pokemon. Just a small amount. Which Pokemon? Uh, several of them. <laughs> See, I have to ask this because the, the Pokemon series is now so labyrinth. If you just say Pokemon, it could refer to, what, 40 games? Well, uh, I finished Pokemon Moon, and that was awesome. So I was like, I'm going to dive right into Pokemon Ultra Sun. And I have done that. And also Pokemon Black. And also Pokemon Omega Ruby. And also I've continued on in the post-game in Pokemon Moon. And also I'm playing lots of the card game. Every hour, or are all of these downloaded and you keep going back to the home port of 3DS? Uh, there's cartridge swapping. Generally, it's, okay. you know, whatever, whichever one I feel like playing at the time. So, except on my, so I have a Japanese 3DS, and that's where I'm playing Ultra Sun. So there is, there has been no cartridge swapping there at all. I, I need to play through Ultra Sun, or one of the two again, kind of with a fresh palette, because I was a little bit tainted by the fact that they came out so close to each other. Yeah. And, yeah. I think I... And, I I kind Sorry, of luck- I'm just going to say, I kind of lucked out in that I, um, I mean, I haven't, like, I didn't, like, play all the way through Moon this year. I actually just picked up my save from wherever uh, I wherever I stopped because I had uh, played through most of it when it first came out and then kind of, as happens, got distracted by something new and shiny. Mm-hmm. As uh, happens. So I didn't have too much left, so, it, you know, Starting over from the beginning wasn't that big a deal, but I could certainly understand how someone who just played through the damn thing and they came came out with a new version that's not all that different mm-hmm. would get really frustrated. Yeah, uh, and it, it happens, and I knew that my frustration with that was pretty much all me. So um, I, I, that being said, I think that Sun and Min was probably the best in the series that they've done so far. I mean, that and um, Eevee. Or the the spinoff on the Switch that came out this year. Let's go. Yes. Yeah, I wasn't... And, and this may be just because I've played, like, too much of the original and the first remake at this point. Uh, I just didn't have as much fun with Let's Go Eevee, other than being able to do co-op with my son. But sun, I adored it. Yeah, uh, sun, <laughs> sun and Moon I absolutely adore. Like... It's gonna probably make my top five favorite RPGs of all time, like that much. Yeah, that that that's those games were definitely the change that the series needed a while. Yeah, but I mean, interestingly, going back to Black, 
Um, you know that that one is impressing me quite a lot for especially for a DS game. So we'll see how that one goes. Uh, I've heard from a lot of people that it's one of the best, and I have yet to see anything to refute that. So we shall see. Uh, and other than that, continue to do the wonderful Q&A Quest show, which you can catch every Monday live on Twitch or Wait, on we're going to be live at all times now? Yeah, we're kind of going to do it live all the time now. Okay, well, I'll, I promise that I will say nothing that you'll regret not being able to edit out. I mean, I can edit out later. I mean, yeah, but I mean, that's putting the, that's putting the, closing the barn door on the cows already. Hey, do it live. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. It's going to turn out that last night was live as well, and you just didn't tell me. It it was live, didn't I tell you? You didn't. Oh, oh that's right. You weren't there at the beginning. I'm sorry. I only oh. told guys that. Oh, my. Total Recorder was. Hey, Dave, Total Recorder wasn't working again last night, so. <laughs> what an organized ship we run. Yes, indeed. All right, I guess it's time to wrap up this Q&A quest. Uh, Mr. Minky. someone's got some more questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my turn. You know, I put up a review recently. I think you even looked at it, Phil. Does this World of Final Fantasy Maxima thing sound... Well, yeah, Mike. I know all of our readers are flocking to read it because it's Final Fantasy, and our our listeners are big fans of Final Fantasy, and they're looking forward to your six out of five review of this Final Fantasy game. Uh, yeah, you know, I was so looking forward to breaking our usual scale, and then I just couldn't bring myself to do it because I kept hearing Tama talk in the game, and she would say things like, "Want to the help them the work out the more in 2019." Well, no, I don't want to hear you add the needlessly to every other word in your sentences over and over again. I hate you. You must stop talking like that. There's no reason for you to talk like that. And you just talk like that for 20 minutes in a row. Shut up! Shut up already! What I'm taking it is that you like this character and thought they added lots of you. Tell us how you really felt. I'm sensing a little hostility here, Captain. And then there's Lon. Lon is when you leave. And he'll take things like, oh my goodness, we're under siege. What? What? Did you say that there's a fee, a, a please out there? I'm, I'm making a terrible pun because I can't. What What can you make a pun out of with siege? But he'll make a terrible pun out of it because he's an idiot. Isn't that hilarious? Ha 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 ha. One of your characters is so stupid that he can't understand even when the game concepts are explained to him. Ha ha ha. I love morons, don't you? Ha 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 ha. Oh wait, he's becoming he's acting like a moron for the twelfth time in the last hour. It's starting to lose its charm. Wait, it never had any to begin with. Ha ha So, uh you know, I don't feel like I should go into World of Final Fantasy Maxima too much here because there's a review that you could read. A review in which I am able to go into points that somewhat more elaborate length than conversation allows me to hear. And, you know, somebody else on our site, Mr. Pascal, appears to have enjoyed it a heck of a lot more than I did. More power to him. But he agrees. He seems to have wiped his mind clear of pretty much all of the plot of the game, which says something. It says that he was able to spotlight on the stuff that he would enjoy and just forget. 
forget all the painful, annoying nonsense that cluttered the rest of it up. Maybe I'll be able to do that in time. It hasn't happened yet. Feel feel like that might take some counseling. Uh, I I feel like any counselor would promptly end all of my medical budget, and I would have to start getting a new insurance plan. I just I just don't have enough money set aside for that if we're going to go through with it. Anyway, I just I just heard you start with the name Tom about Nolan, so I I didn't even hear half of it. It's probably for the best. That's good. And let's see, Alex got me. A nice review, a nice shiny review code of Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story. So I've been playing that. I actually haven't started going into the Bowser Jr. story to see what that's like so far, but I will because I have to. It's new content. I have to see what it's like. The core content is pretty fun so far. As I recalled, I actually did stick in the first overworld for about 40 minutes the other night, Phil, seeing what it was like. It was kind of fun. The which one? Overworld. Oh, Overlord, I'm sorry. Damn. Oh, Overlord. <laughs> no wonder. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I've, I've been staring at Excel too much today. It's wrapped my brain in numbers. Um, I feel your pain. Uh, I, I, I have to deal with people who are trying to be comforted about the shutdown. That's, that's really fun. Anyway, Overlord was pretty fun. I also appreciated that it was running pretty well on my machine, which I can't really seem to take for granted, even though this is a world of Final Fantasy Maxima would occasionally have severe sound and and visual disconnects, which I don't particularly like. I don't particularly like hearing the dialogue be uttered and then 10 seconds of slowdown pass before I see their mouths go through that motion. That's kind of annoying to me. But that may just be me. Other people will probably get over it very easily, I'm sure. Technical flaws are very easily excused among the gaming audience. Uh, all right, I just want to... Kelly? Yes? I gotta ask. Have you seen The Notebook? Is that that chick flick? Yes. No. <laughs> I, I don't do chick flicks. Okay, cause I'm trying to figure out... I finally buckled down and watched this thing, because people seem to love it. And I'm trying to figure out why. Why do people love this? Why is Why was this the last thing that James Garner did? Why does Ryan Gosling showing up and asking Rachel McAdams out, and then when she doesn't agree immediately, he climbs out on the Ferris wheel and act, and is suspended over space? Are you still not going to go out with me? No! Oh, he lets go with one arm. Oh, oh, I'm, I might be slipping. Will you still not go out with me? Apparently, that's the way to get women to go out with, is to threaten to commit suicide. That's a very healthy start to a relationship, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, no, I... I feel like there's a solid foundation. I don't think I would take too well to that. Are you sure you wouldn't think that you were you were just so touched that somebody thought enough of asking you out that he was willing to play at being suicidal in order to get you to agree? No, that sounds a little bit manipulative to me. Wow. I I can't imagine Oh, and then they have a lovely, cute scene at night in, it's either North or South Carolina in 1940, and he likes to lie down in the crosswalk at night. And she, he convinces her to lie down in the crosswalk at night with, and then eventually along comes a car which somehow does not run over them because they're lying in the crosswalk at night. Uh, no, dude sounds like he's got some issues. I'm just going to throw that out there. It's just a fry short of a Happy Meal, that's all. So... No, I was not immediately wrapped up in the amazing romance and the love of a lifetime here. I just kept 
either being bored or disgusted at this. And yet he seemed to love it. I don't know why. So what you're saying is this should have won the Oscar for Best Picture? That's what I'm hearing? Let's see. This came out in 2004 when Million Dollar Baby won. Ooh, never mind. Yeah, I won't, I'm I won't say, even make that a joke. Yeah, you better not. That would be pretty bad. Even for you, Mr. Apps. You make bad jokes <laughs> all the time. but you're Me? A bad guy. joke? Never. I'm trying to give you credit for making for abstaining from the bad jokes here. I'm trying to give you credit. You're just not letting me do it. What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> all right. That, that's all I've got for now. Phil, you're up. So uh, not a whole lot because I want to save basically all of my steam for the next show. Uh, I will I will point out just a, a, a couple of things. Is You want to head over to rpgamer.com for all the latest news, reviews. It's home to the best gaming community on the net. And there's this really, like, you, you get the best articles at RP Gamer. You know, insights from people who love the industry, not people who are just paid to review it real quick and do a half-assed job. And you get some insights that maybe you don't get necessarily on websites like IGN. Uh, for example, Mr. Alex Fuller has written an article that i'm surprised we haven't discussed yet everyone everyone should be so excited that there is a february date set for record of agris war marriage (laughs) why would you bring up that first name (laughs) and i know i know it's a tactical rpg who doesn't like tactical rpgs i will fight you if you keep talking about this (laughs) i think i didn't notice because it doesn't it spells marriage in a way i've never seen before so that my automatic filter just ignored it. <laughs> but, boy, okay, don't judge it too quickly. I know maybe they don't know how to spell a word, but you know, check it out. This game is coming out on Steam with a 30% launch discount. And and the deluxe bundle is going to include a digital character art book, an event art book, three desktop wallpapers, six mobile phone wallpapers, and a 58-track original soundtrack download. This is the deal of the century. Ew. Come on. I just I am not sold. I've I have freaking played the original Agarest War and it is so one of the I. worst experiences of my life. So <laughs> I just uh fine. Then check out RP Gamer for other stories such as uh Mrs. Wakamater's backlogging through the year, her final thoughts on what she did in twenty eighteen. Uh, and uh, a number of new release information and all kinds of stuff. Uh, just just head on over there and read her stuff. Anywho, and I think that's it. Like I said, I'm going to save a lot of my stuff for next next show. I have been plugging away at Persona Q. Uh, I, it is like my 3DS go-to game. I just, you know, if I'm going out somewhere and I'm going to be stuck for half an hour to an hour, I take my 3DS and I play uh, some more of that. Oh, wait, but wait, Phil, there is one that we might want to discuss briefly. This Underworld Ascendant review. I oh, think I know I was forgetting. That. Oh, I know I was forgetting a review. That's right. I did. Uh, I did read uh, uh, Mr. Joe Hanley, whoever that guy is. I just. Feel, <laughs> I know who he is. I feel sorry for him. I feel very, very sorry for him because I played that game for about an hour and I was forcing myself past minute five. I just thought maybe there was something I, I, you know. Didn't I hear you say that you backed it on Kickstarter, Phil? I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. It has definitely been 
most of the things I've backstarted on Kickstarter, backstarted, whatever, uh, have been like tactical RPGs, things that you know weren't going to get funding anywhere else. And for the most part, most of them have been at the very least mediocre, uh, but most of them have been good, you know, like. But then, yeah, this was just the sh- pile of shit that fell in my lap. They're like, okay, your code is ready. Go download it on Steam. I'm like, yippee. I've only been waiting for this for three and a half years. I, I can't wait. I've been waiting so long for this one. I mean, I we kickstarted like three and a half years ago. So jumped on that download, got right into it. And oh my gosh, it's, it is such a glitchy, crappy turd. It just, I don't know how to describe it. But it, it, it's 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 basically a first person kind of RPG deal, but it feels more like a shooter almost because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like pick up this item and throw it over here puzzle mechanics, and there's that engine at play that's good for that physics. But but the problem is they aren't programmed very well, as as Mr. Hadley mentions. He's absolutely right. Like things don't feel like they have the right weight. They bounce around a little too much. It just doesn't feel solid. Uh, and and then and then it can cause problems and technical issues, and then it just becomes more of a steaming pile of mess. But assuming that even for a minute you can get through this without the the technical or the the whatever issues causing you to have massive crashes, the game's just super poorly designed. Like one of the really weird things is you can save anywhere. You can, but if you die and have to reload, or if you just walk away and come back later and reload it, uh, it, it starts off at the beginning of that dungeon. The only thing. It really saved were some of the things you picked up along the way. Some of the things, and and they aren't really that important. The whole point. The whole point is these dungeons are huge, and and you think, okay, I've just spent thirty minutes. I got to a dangerous spot. Let's say right before I fight these enemies, you die, and you're like all the way back at the beginning. There's this little tree that you can save at, and you can kind of move it, but you can only plant it in certain places, which are very far apart. It's really weird. And then once you plant it, you can't move it again. I don't get the save mechanic. I really, really don't. It's just stupid, and 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 certain enemies will respond when you. It's it, it's just frustrating. It's just evil. The combat doesn't feel solid. It feels even worse than uh you know like one of those Elder Scroll games. One of the earlier ones. Like combat in Elder Scrolls has never felt super solid to me. It's really not what you play Elder Scroll games for. But here. I just no. It's it's just horrible. It's just it's a physics based game without good physics. That's what it kind of comes down to. I mean, the swordplay doesn't feel doesn't feel solid. It doesn't feel kinetic. So it, it's just it's just horrible. I didn't even get into the skill tree. If you read the review, go into the review. As Mike likes to say, we can't go into all the details here uh, in, in our final segment of the podcast, but. Joe just hits so many of these points, you know, right on the head. And God bless his heart for suffering through all the way to the end. Because after an hour, I was completely done. I really was. But go check out his review to find out why he gave it a 1.5 out of 5. Our lowest score is a 1, by the way. Um, <laughs> not a 0. So just just go and check it out. And, and I can certainly back from my hour experience. I can back a lot of what he's saying on there. I just, I, I just know. I, I'm very sad that I paid cash for this game. Well, as a Kickstarter backer, did you get anything extra? Nothing that I cared about. No, actually, I don't think I really did. Really, um, no, no, did get anything I can remember extra. It was just the Steam code, and usually, usually, you know, it's really funny. Is I'd much rather have GOG versions of the games. Uh, my GOG collection is bigger than my Steam collection, but. 
you know, because I like to save them and keep them on a hard drive somewhere and take them away in a corner. Precious. But with this game, I'm glad. Like, I, I'm glad it isn't cluttering up my GOG library. Yeah, I ignore Steam for the most part, so I'm glad it's over there that I don't pay attention to it. Because it's, it's bad. Just so bad. If it had content into it, like wallpapers, I don't want them. I don't want anything to remind me of this game. I don't want to. I, I save a lot of the cool wallpapers, and I keep them on rotation. That's kind of the cool things about Windows 10 is you can have your different, your different uh, monitors have different wallpapers and auto-rotate with a third-party software. So I have a lot of video game soft uh, wallpapers on there, both at work, and I got in a Dropbox that so shows up at work, shows up in my, my house and whatnot. A lot of video game stuff in there to remind me of some of my favorite games that I've played. I love it when the Horizon Zero Dawn wallpaper shows up. I'm like, oh, man, that was such a great adventure. But you couldn't pay me money to have an Underworld Ascendant wallpaper on my computer. So let me get this straight. A million dollars. No. No, don't want to keep your damn money. Stupidest. Let's take a your glitchy crap. Some some crazy person pays me a million dollars to have a dragon lunar dragon song wallpaper for like a year or for the rest of my life. It's like screw it. That wallpaper's coming with oh, you. Yeah. Why did you bring up lunar dragon song? Now I'm sad. It's just and, and the thing was it was promising to t- to be so much more. Like if you played the old dungeon crawlers like uh, you know Ultima Underworld and whatnot. It was it was it was trying to basically bring that into the 21st century. So I've always been fascinated with this idea that you have this complete adventure underground, and where there could be these underground society like the Drow or whatever. You never see sunlight, and 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 people just live completely different. Where you're in this internal darkness, and there's you know there you know there's mushrooms instead of lush green plants, and you know, there's so many room for imagination. But this thing, no, this thing just completely fell short of, of the promise set by its predecessors. It just, it was a complete disappointment. And, and they've done some patches and stuff. I, I don't, you'd have to do a hell of a lot of patching to make this. This is, this is alpha almost, alpha level crap. So, and even if they fixed at least the bugs that was with it, I just don't feel like there's a solid game there. And either they fixed the saving system. At that point... I think if they fit the glitches in the save point system so that you could save anywhere, you might have a 2.0 game, possibly a 2.5. But it's just there's not a compelling story behind it. There's not there's the physics just aren't a compelling reason to play it. The combat's not solid. So why 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 would you? And the concept art they were doing in the blog during the Kickstarter looked really really cool. It, it had a lot of imagination. But when you're the game, you're fighting generic skeleton X and and dumb orc b and it's just and there's the ai is just stupid and it's just go forward and just start whacking with your sword and block once in a while it's just not it's just not there nope so many better alt sorry huh well that was kind of a disappointing note but i tell you what isn't disappointing is we're gonna wrap this up and 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 just remind you guys the 200th episode a big blowout new introduction new skit new everything just come and check it out episode 200 coming at you probably won't get to it this month probably early next month but uh but but yeah it's i'm excited you should be excited too mr minky put us to bed while we're all super excited and can't sleep now. you sure you want to do it that way okay well i am going to make a fearless prediction i'm going to predict that sometime in a game released in 2019 and probably in 2020 and 20 years subsequent to that there will be a mario game in which bowser kidnaps peach Oh, no. Please, please. Get out. I'm sorry that I had to cause everyone's blood pressure to skyrocket, but it had to be done. 
because Phil has already called upon everyone to be so upbeat and excited. And on that note, good night.